the Popcorn Boys, and we're coming in hot. We are coming at you live from Culver City, California. I'm Kyle Jamison. With me is Daniel Trainer. And Daniel, what's your favorite pizza topping? Vegan cheese, Kyle. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Pizza. You notice, did you hear how I changed my, the way I said we're coming in hot? No. Did you I catch did, that? No, I did notice how you almost forgot your name. I I keep forgetting. Look, I've, my brain is keeps fluttering when it's time to... Uh, oh, you get nervous? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't, I keep forgetting if I say my name first or yours. And so it's playing well, back a conversation I think you we know, had. Well, I think you know you're doing it wrong. I uh, think my name should be first. And every time you go to say your name, like, ah, oh, this doesn't feel quite right. <laughs> well, I said that we're coming in hot. Like a pizza. That's what you should have said. Like a scene in the movie, Licorice Pizza. Do you know how they say that line in the movie? They say coming in hot? They do. No. That must have been one of the times where I zoned out. Tom Waits said it. Oh, boy. Tom Waits. Looks like he's coming in hot. Hmm. When, uh, did you did we talk, did we discuss this? No, I can't imagine he would have said this and we didn't bump heads leaning into each other. <laughs> be like, hey, you see what he said? Uh, somehow I, I wow, yeah, I don't remember it. Anyway, well. it is time, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies, wow, wait, I just realized I just did that, and that's from wow. wow. Is that also from Licorice Pizza? No, it's from There Will Be Blood. What, ladies is? and gentlemen? Oh sure, ladies and gentlemen. Sure. That's all I got. I thought if, li- if it was a line from Licorice Pizza, it'd be something like, "Weren't the seventies fun?" <laughs> God, you are already so annoying about this. Today's episode <laughs> of the Popcorn Boys got to be annoying about something. I'll find o- I'll find other things. Don't you worry. <laughs> we will be discussing the films of one Paul T A. <laughs> Paul T A. That's what I like to call him. Do you think he shows up? Paul to, the TA. Do you think he shows up to a PTA meeting at his kid's school? And he's like, "This is funny, right?" <laughs> do, do they he, have kids? Do you think he? Yeah, they have like five kids. Wow. And Four, I, and five to be kids? clear, I do call Paul Thomas Anderson Mister Maya Rudolph. That's what I call him. Uh, four children, that, including twins, I believe. I don't like the idea that Paul Thomas Anderson has kids. There's four. That feels four wrong. Children. Daughters Pearl, Lucille, Ida, and son Jack. Uh, I was I was incorrect about the twins. There are no twins. So why did you say twins? I in my head they had twins. Jack, God, if you put a gun to my head and said Paul Thomas Anderson and Maya Rudolph have a son, what's its name? I would yell Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Jack. Jackie Jack. Oh boy, I don't like him, especially having watched most of his films in the past few weeks i don't love him being a father i would have expected um them to have weirder children's names yeah a little bit pearl lucille ida jack lucille it's like we get it lucille lucille bluth (laughs) do you think that's who she's named after (laughs) do you (laughs) i mean i bet tall paul thomas anderson tall thomas (laughs) Paul Thomas. Paul Thomas Anderson. I bet Paul Thomas Anderson does not know how much he costs to go see a Star War. (laughs) There's no way. Go see a Star War. 
Ah, may she rest in peace. How much could a banana cost? How much could a banana cost? Jessica Walter would listen to this podcast if she were still with us. Did she die before the show started? And if Mm. so, what a shame for her. Yeah, she was. She we had her book to be our first (laughs) to be the guest on the first episode. Sadly, she didn't make it. (laughs) I don't remember when exactly she died. Actually, let's look it up. All right. Meanwhile, while you uh, look up that important fact... Jessica Walter death. You know, we all knew I would be searching this about five minutes ago. So, we'll be discussing the films of Paul Thomas Anderson in depth, including ranking our... Do you know what is interesting? Oh, Oh, 2021. Never mind. When did we start this godforsaken show? A good question. April? May? Something like that? She died March 24th. Oh, no. She just missed it. Oh. Oh. She didn't get... Oh, God. You know, you think about all her legacy. Arrested Development. Archer. But she never made it to the box office draft. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh... What was Jessica Walter's cause of death? I don't know the sun, but I will be clicking on it. (laughs) Uh... First line of the story, Jessica Walter's cause of death was not released. (laughs) Oh, great. Well, thanks for that information. Anyway. Meanwhile, back at Z-Ranch. Paul Thomas Anderson. Yes. A guy who we... Nine uh, feature films. We will be ranking our nine. We're going to see whose list is better. You know, anybody who has listened to this show even a little bit has heard the name Paul Thomas Anderson before. We've talked about him on multiple episodes before, whether it be about uh, Amy Adams in The Master. Do you think anyone who has heard the name Paul Thomas Anderson for the first time ever on an episode of The Popcorn Boys? I would say 90% of the listeners, yeah. (laughs) Okay, good to know. A lot of them, sure. Oh, oh, almost just kicked the recorder off the... Oh, God, it'd be a blessing for us all. The eye of the tiger. Um, Rising up! So, obviously, the reason for this episode is his latest feature, Licorice Pizza, is out Mm -hmm. in select theaters. Mm. I was going to say across the country, but thus far it is just... Not yet. It is not actually across the country. It's on... Well, I guess it's kind of across the country. One in Los Angeles, three in New York for the moment, but this weekend... Extending to a few more and then going wide Christmas Day. Ho, ho, ho. So we will be saving our in-depth thoughts for that movie until the end of the podcast. So if you have yet to see it and Correct. you want to wait until you have seen it, uh, and if you, you can listen to our it. whole beautiful Paul Thomas Anderson discussion beforehand and then uh, pause before then. But if you haven't seen it, oh my gosh, to not, live be, in a, the wrong to not be a coastal elite. I mean – just the social cachet you get from saying, like, oh, what are you doing tonight? Well, I'm going to see a licorice pizza. Well, that's not out yet. <laughs> I'm sorry, babe. Ooh. I live in Los Angeles. <laughs> you ever it's been, been to out the, for days. the Regency Village theater? Have you ever heard of Westwood? Okay. <laughs> Have you ever heard places. of there's no places to eat around the theater? Okay. There, that, that's actually not true. There's a thousand places to eat. It's and they're just, all bad. It's like, oh. I was going to take a shot at Taco Bell, but what I wouldn't give for a Taco Bell Where'd right you now. go by yourself before the movie the other day? Did you go anywhere? Because you saw it twice. I have seen it twice. Once with me, once without. Correct. Uh, no, I, I uh, did not eat 
mm. in Westwood before. Mistake. Don't let me forget two. to talk about what we ate during the time we saw it together. Uh, true. Yes. Really a I revelation. A revelation that has changed many things in my life. My snacks that I ate during licorice pizza. Okay. They were neither licorice nor pizza. Oh, during licorice pizza. I thought you were talking about the meal we had before we saw licorice pizza. Oh, no. I mean, that was fairly forgettable. But the, no, what we had during the movie. It has changed something for me. Okay, this is important. We will get into it. Uh, we're going to start the episode, as we always do, with a recap of the box office. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> what? Uh, what was that accent? You're a magician? <laughs> uh, not do you much believe in magic? And I hope you do. Is that the line? I don't know what that is. In a young girl's heart. Do you believe in magic? Who sings that? Isn't it funny how we know so many songs? Why did I think it was, and I hope you do? That's certainly not the lyric. Do you believe in a young girl's heart? Right. And then after that, I think I heard her fart? I don't know. Do you believe in... <laughs> it was me. People text me. Okay. Do you believe in magic in a young girl's heart? No, please don't sing the next line. Ba -da 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 -da. I think I heard her fart. Yeah, no, it is. Okay, uh, no new movies, really not, not many new movies uh, came out at all this past weekend. Yeah, pretty barren weekend. So it was kind of a repeat of the weekend before. Uh, we did not have any new premieres in the box office challenge this week, but we are still plugging along. Um, but, ladies here's and gentlemen. What I, here's what I want to know. Ladies Give and me gentlemen, the, oh God. the big guns are coming. Give me the Give me the standings where they stand right now. The totals? The totals, yeah. Uh, Daniel is in first place with one billion seven hundred thirty-nine million five hundred nineteen thousand. What? Oh, I why did you that. stop talking? I was I was confused. I didn't realize I had a cent. There's a cents category. I thought it was off. So one billion seven hundred thirty-nine million five hundred nineteen thousand four hundred ten dollars and zero cents. Okay, so one point seven, and you're at what? Nine hundred thirty-six million five hundred eighty-four thousand two hundred forty dollars and zero cents. This isn't over yet. And that, Somehow, it, that is what is making me so nervous. It isn't. Now, I think... I mean... Spider-Man is about to come out You next should be very weekend. confident. Like, what's... But I'm essentially... So I have West Side Story. That comes out this week. Yes. What else do I have? Nightmare, Nightmare Alley. Alley. That's making nothing. And The King's Man. That's making $40 million. Right. So... At most, I mean, West Side Story feels a uh, West Side yeah, Story could be our best picture that, winner out of nowhere. There's a chance that could make some money, or, but let's or make say, like a lot of money. Let's say that what what do we think total for those three? A hundred million? Sure, maybe higher than that if if West Side Story. Pops let's say a hundred. So I'm at one point nine or one point eight. So or one point nine ish. Uh, yeah, you're. You're at 1.74 now. So yeah, okay. if it makes 100, 150, 150 would get you close to 1.9 between those three. So Spider-Man is about to come and blow the doors off of this entire thing. And then you also have The Matrix and you have Sing 2. Correct. Both of which feel pretty destined to make some money despite my earlier thoughts. Hopefully. This is not over. So I need anybody listening to this. To buy Get off your butts and go see West Side Story. The musical is back. 
Just watch the old one at home. No. Watch the old one at home and then go see the new one. No, just, just watch This the is one not over, is all I'm saying. And can you imagine if you had had Top Gun Maverick? I mean... I know. What a race. Anyway. Man. Now, I mean, what would Spider-Man realistically have to we make should po- we should we should make this document in the running. we should make this document public there's nothing that people want to see more than this document but truly cuz this is the all we- yeah if you want to see the document let us know yeah please dm me <laughs> or you probably have my phone number just text me <laughs> <laughs> all right so there's your box office yes big things are coming we're going to find out yeah, this is a huge, this uh, is a huge couple weeks. Comes out neck, oh, you know, a week plus from now. Yeah. So we're gonna, you know, if that opens to, whew, I mean, who knows? What's the biggest opening of the year so far? Biggest opening. The biggest weekend opening is stand by, stand by, stand by. Uh, nothing has broken a hundred yet. What's well, number one? Is it Shang Chi? It's Venom with ninety. Million. Oh, of course, Venom. Venom in the Spider-Man universe that people are just gearing up I, for it. Well, listen, I'm telling you, it's you're not wrong. Unfortunately, I think for me to realistically get in this, it's going to have to open like over 200. That's not happening. Probably not. But that's the kind of open it's going to need to have. I think. sure. Okay. Well, to, I mean, unless the Matrix and Sing Two wildly outperform. Oh, and you know, my little baby. But like, one fifty is probably in play. Probably, I would assume so. If the biggest opening is ninety, and then this feels significant. Well, and also, I don't, I don't know. For the listeners, you were not allowed to go to the movies unless you had your booster shot. <laughs> so just don't even think about Look, it. The Omnion, uh, whatever it's called, Omarion. the Omarion variant is a hoax. Yeah, the, listen, <laughs> it's not a real thing. The new variant just is very, on. very deadly. You, we cannot be going to the movies. After this weekend. <laughs> Starting next weekend? Oh my god. You can't be there. Alright, let's move on from the box office challenge and get into the challenge of seeing nine Paul Thomas Anderson movies. You know, it sort of it sort of is a challenge. I mean, the reason that we want to talk about him is obviously the fact that he has a new movie coming out. But he manages to Occupy this space, right? That not many directors manage to occupy anymore. Where he is doing mostly original stuff that he also writes. Right. Um, they come out every, what, three or four years. Thereabouts. They are all unique. They all have a perspective to them. And they're not really tied to any sort of existing property and and they all manage to feel big and important at least to people like us right certainly on the short list of the kind of no-brainer this director has it it, this is an event Mm -hmm. you know we're certainly their opening weekend oh yeah drove to westwood can you imagine driving to westwood (sighs) wow Six miles away, might as well be on the goddamn moon. (laughs) I don't know where the hell we were. Well, just think of what things could have, what could have been had uh, a certain movie theater still been open. 
No, but, I, it does feel like they would have done it done it in Westwood anyway. I think so, too. But maybe it would have yeah, been it, two theaters in L.A. sort of thing. Maybe. Oh, God. I miss her. So, Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, I don't want to say he's an auteur. Because, no, he's an auteur. Because I don't if know anybody, what that word's mean, no, word means. And I don't know how to spell it, of course, but auteur <laughs> does... Is that not the most annoying word he's used an about filmmakers? Her. But if he's... If PTA is not an auteur, tell me who is. Well, I mean... I mean, if PTA is not an auteur, tell me who is. No, I'm serious. It kind of defines the word, I would think. And this... Oh, yeah. What does it mean? I don't know what it means. Artist. Artist, oh, yes, yes, but yes. pretentious. But, like, the word looks enough like amateur that I'm always thrown off a little well, when it's written. Well, we'll get into whether or not he might be an amateur. Wow. Paul Thomas no, amateur? No, is that your Paul take? Thomas Amateur. So what uh tell me your what was your introduction to Ooh, to Paul Thomas Anderson my in your introduction. life? Introduction. That's a great question. What was the first of his movies that you saw, heard of, whatever. Wow. Great question. I don't I don't know. Oh, I, nice. Perfect. <laughs> well, you didn't tell me you were gonna be asking me this. I'm sorry, do I need to brief you on all the questions we're gonna be discussing? Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. What do you mean? No. Here, let me uh, text you the list of questions I have written down here. Please don't text me. Oh, God. Here comes another link. Oh, you see what the click hole posted today? <laughs> oh, God. It's enough. Um, I, th- I I would assume that the first uh, the first PTA movie I saw was probably Boogie Nights. Um, and I don't know when that would have been. It probably would have been in college, honestly. Yeah, I think that was um, how it went for me, if I'm not mistaken. I think, yeah, because I really... I feel like I really got into – I mean, I'd always been like a movie person my whole life really growing up. But I think in college, I really started seeking out stuff and seeking out directors and seeking out movies. And it's a very cliche college thing like, you know, James Dean poster on the wall, the whole thing. You had a James Dean poster on the wall? Oh, of course. Multiple nice. apartments. Okay. Oh, yeah. I had Jim Morrison. God. <laughs> Are we the worst people in the world? I mean, I'm serious. It wasn't – oh, no. Does anybody – do people listen to this as a joke? Um, what shit are they going to say this week? It's a good question. Oh. And if you do, please keep it up. Love our fans, no matter who they are or why they're listening. <laughs> Boogie Nights, though, probably was my introduction. And then just kind of went from there. But I would say probably starting with – let's see. Like, starting with There Will Be Blood, that's probably when it became, like, in theater. Yeah. And certainly, like, The Master, I vividly remember. The Master, I think, was one of the first movies, and we spoke her name earlier. We didn't speak her name, but we spoke of her. I think The Master was one of the first movies I saw at the Arclight Hollywood. Oh. And does that check out? I guess so. 2012. Yeah. Like, I remember seeing it there... Seeing a movie there felt fun and important, and then it was the fact that it was Paul Thomas Anderson, and I thought that was cool, and whatever. I'm pretty sure I saw There Will Be Blood at the Arclight Hollywood. Didn't live here yet. It would have been within a few months. I think that that must have come out in, like, November, I yeah. assume. Yeah. So, yeah, so from, from then on, it was just that, you know, every time he has a movie out, I'm seeing it in theaters, and... You know, for sure. Opening weekend, probably. And I, I think I can scroll through all of these and tell you, like, exactly. Well, I guess there have only been, you know, since then. It's Inherent Vice, which I also saw at the Hollywood 
or the Unexplained Hollywood, Phantom Thread, and then uh, Lick Pits, which is what I'm calling it now. <laughs> Lick Pits? Lick Pits. Nice. But yeah, I mean, he he's somebody who, you know, I became a fan of and then sort of retroactively went back and, and watched all of his stuff. And for this episode, there was one that I guess we'll, we'll jump off with here that I'd never seen before that I watched for the podcast um, and then rewatched a bunch of them because they're just movies that I enjoy watching. Um, and he's, I don't know, he's just, you just never, I think we've said this before, like if you were to tell me that there's a new Paul Thomas Anderson movie, nobody knows anything about it, you can sit down and be the first person to see it, I would have absolutely no idea what i was about to watch oh okay i didn't know where how you were going to finish that sentence um licorice pizza i think is a maybe a bit of an exception to that rule we'll get into that but like he he always manages to be surprising and is always doing interesting stuff and i i think that's why he really kind of has this i don't want to call it the cult following but yeah, certainly fandom. has a, a, um, a fandom. All right, so here is the nine movie resume okay. that Paul has directed here. So, 1996, he directs Hard Eight, uh, probably the the least known of his. I'm a Hard Eight in Michigan. I'm an LA soft four. Oh, okay. Uh, 1997, Boogie Nights. 1999, Magnolia. 2002, Punch Drunk Love. 2007, There Will Be Blood. 2012, The Master. 2014, Inherent Vice. 2017, Phantom Thread. And, of course, this year's Licorice Pizza. Lick Pits. So we'll start at the top. Hard Eight. This is the the movie you had never seen before, I had correct? never seen Hard Eight before. Uh, I went in and I said, you know what? I'm going to be a completist for this PTA app. Uh, and I watched it. What can I say about Hard Eight? Gwyneth Paltrow is in it. Yes, she is. Didn't know that going in. No? No. Certainly did not. Uh, is Hard Eight my favorite movie of all time? Uh, no. But I think that I, you... That would have been quite, quite a story <laughs> if you said... Yeah. Like, you yes, it is. Yes, it's it number is. One Actually, on Hard Eight is my new number one. Um, <laughs> it's not, but at the same time, you, you get this sense that there is an interesting young filmmaker behind the camera. Right. Like, that's never in doubt. Um, it's obviously kind of low budget. Uh, the, the cast is great. I mean, John C. Riley, you know, is here. And John C. Riley obviously is, well, I shouldn't say obviously, I guess, but uh, uh, will probably be mentioned throughout this episode as somebody who, right. who PTA works with quite a bit. Um, it's, it's pretty simple. There's a lot of tension. And it... It all works pretty well. It's kind of a low-budget sort of indie thriller. And it, it does everything I think it's trying to do. And I think sort of right sets the course for, for what he will, you know, continue to do throughout his career. Right. It's pretty it's pretty basic, but, like, you see those seeds. Um, a lot of the auteurs of this oh, era boy. kind of have a movie like this where it's, sure. you know, the, the stepping stone movie where it's like the – you know, they scrounged up a million dollars. Oh, I looked this up actually. What I the budget? I was curious. Oh, do you have it? Yeah. What, what was it? Uh, three million. Three million. Okay. More so. than I thought, to be honest. Yeah. 
But yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, they scrounge up. You know, you think Christopher Nolan with um, following, or uh, Reservoir Dogs is a little feels a little bigger yeah. production wise than this. But that's kind of Tarantino's version. Uh, you know, a lot of these directors have this, and yeah, Hard Day is it, it almost. It almost feels separate from the rest of his filmography because of this, um, which makes things a little bit difficult to rank, but we'll get into that later. Oh, shit. It's not even in my rankings. It's so funny you say that, though. <laughs> I didn't, like, when I went to rank the movies, I didn't even think of it. Well, there you go. I guess that proves my point. Wow. Well, easy. Slide it in already. Yeah, you, you plugged it in? Oh, it's in. Oh, that's quick. Yeah, of course. Um, number one. But I think it's fun. I <laughs> yeah. Well, it is my favorite movie of all time. Um, yeah, it's a movie I watch. It's available for free somewhere. I think I watched it for free somewhere. It's streaming <laughs> somewhere. That's ominous. Look it up. Uh, it's a fun time, you know. And I think if you, I think doing these deep dives on directors are always uh interesting. And also just fun to see how sort of their vision progresses and why not start at the beginning. Um, and it's it's a solid movie. Absolutely. It's a solid movie. There's there's glimpses of things to come. Yeah, sure. There's, you know, there are moments that will be expanded upon in later movies. Sure. Is that true? I don't know. It's been a while since know. I've seen I'm it. I'm just going along with that. Um, but yeah, sure. But Phil Baker Hall. Oh, he's great. Do you know how old he is? <laughs> yeah, you asked me that earlier. 90, 90 years, old. years old. FBH, we call him. F? Uh, yeah, he goes, Philip is filled with an F. <laughs> uh, PBH, sorry. Sorry, Phil. Uh Paul Thomas Anderson, fans of uh, actors named Philip. Oh, I know. The, the PSH of it all is uh, obviously comes full circle with Lick Pits, but. Oh, God. Stop calling it Lick Pits. All no. right. That's Hard Eight. That's Hard yeah, Eight. We don't need to discuss that much further. 1997, he kind of blows onto the scene. Oh, does he ever? Uh, in Do a, you get it? In. Yeah, there was three meanings to that. Oh, yeah, sure. There's a lot of cocaine in that movie, too. <laughs> I don't want to leave this room. <laughs> uh, Boogie Nights, obviously, is the movie we're discussing. Wow, wow, wee wow. Boogie Nights. Why do I do that in every episode? Wow, wow, wee wow. Why do we do a bo- Of all people, to do a Borat impression. <laughs> what am I doing? Do what that. am I doing? I do you it do. every episode. Wow, wow, wee wow. I don't even <laughs> think it's funny. <laughs> Oh, Borat. Wah, 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 wah. So, Maria Bakalova, Oscar nominee. Oh, yeah. That was weird. Interesting how these things happen, isn't it? It took me a minute to even remember who you're talking about, even in the context of Borat. Thought she was great, but how does that happen? I never quite understood the infatuation with that performance. She is pretty yeah. good. Yeah. She is. Maria Bakalova, Oscar nominee. Oh. <laughs> Okay. When you yeah. think, like, especially when you're looking at, like, this list of movies that Paul Thomas Anderson done has done and, and how many of these performances are not Oscar-named oh, nominated. God. And then we have... Well, I mean, Maria to be fair to Maria... Borat, too. To be... 
to be fair to Maria Bakalova, Oscar nominee, it was a it was a weird year. True. There's a pandemic, of course. There was. Yeah. Oh, good thing that's over. <sighs> so, Boogie Nights. Uh, where to begin? Where? Yeah, exactly. Where to be? Like to to have this movie just be your second movie, and to be in your twenties when you make this is kind of wild. It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Here's where I want to start. Okay. We mentioned this. I have this as my top note about Boogie Nights. It was, I don't know, three or four episodes ago. I don't even remember how it came up. But I had watched it, and I'd asked you, I think the opening scene in Boogie Nights is a club that we have been to before. What? And I said, once we do the Paul Thomas Anderson episode, I will have an answer for you. Okay. It's not. <laughs> I was going to say, I've definitely never been there. <laughs> no, but it's no, but it, it's not. Like, it was transformed for the movie, but I right. thought it was someplace that you and I had been together. Gotcha. And it, I looked it up. It's not. was not the place I was thinking of. And people were... What ha- place were you thinking of? Am I allowed to say that we've been to a strip club together before? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know After what After an remember. independent wrestling show? Yeah, we're cool. Well, that was not in the valley, though, and this place is definitely in the valley. Yes, it was. We were in Reseda. No, the strip club wasn't in Reseda, was it? It was close, I think wasn't we it? came back to, like, L.A. When we, before we went to the I strip don't club. F- I don't know. Maybe. I could be wrong. Do you remember what I ordered at the strip club? Vegan <laughs> wings or something? <laughs> no. God, I wish. <laughs> what did you order? I don't remember. You just got, like, vegetables? I got, yeah. No, I did. I got, like, <laughs> steam. Hi, hun. <laughs> Can I get the steam veggies? <laughs> Oh, oh, the lives night. we've lived. Classic night. Uh, but that was not where we were, unfortunately. No, it was very much not. Okay, well, you know what? Now we know. I can't believe you thought that that was that it place. It looked like it. Like, whatever. I wish I remembered where we actually went now. I know. I have no clue. Hmm. Anyway. Um, that was after a wrestling show? Yes. Wow. I there mean. was somebody else with us who who refuses to listen to the podcast, by the way. Maybe this could be his way in. We can tell him we talk <laughs> about him, and he'll listen. He'll be like, oh, I got most of them. Good point. Anyway. Uh, here's <laughs> where I will say – here's what I want to say about Boogie Nights. I'm going to start here. There's, there's so much to say, and I think we could get off the rails here a little bit. I think we just should sort of focus in a little bit on each movie because I could probably talk about Boogie Nights forever. This podcast is an anti-Mark Wahlberg podcast. No, it's not. Continue. I don't like people from that part of the country. I don't like people who... You ever been to Wahlburgers? I don't like... No. Have you? Yeah. We've discussed this, I think. (laughs) I haven't even been to Wahlburgers. I don't like... Wahlburgers. I don't like people who beat up minorities in the street. Okay? These aren't my type of people. Okay? Not these a great are, look for our boy. These aren't Mark my type in. of people. All right. With that being said, do you like people that wake up at two a.m. and do and get to a two-hour workout in? You know, here's then... the thing. Mark Wahlberg is he the most fascinating person in the world, or <laughs> the least fascinating person <laughs> in the world? Because it's one of the two. Look, his run of movies. Let me say this. All I can. It's a, it's a two-movie run with Fear and, and Boogie Nights. 
here. What a run. Don't get me started on fear. <laughs> Don't get me started on fear. I mean, please. Hello? Parents are gone. We're turned on fear. Okay? <laughs> Pants are coming down. Movie's coming on. You say, what? Oh, pants. pants are I think said parents are coming down. <laughs> and sometimes, dude, those pants got coming real quick. They're on that roller coaster. <laughs> what a scene. Oh, my God. Iconic. We'll talk about her later. Um, oh, yeah. Here's what I will say. I believe that Mark Wahlberg's casting in this movie is one of the most genius strokes of casting in strokes? the history. Don't. Come on. I haven't jerked off today. Sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Thanks. I need to cut. I'm cutting that out. The <laughs> um, casting him in this movie is so brilliant. And then, lo and behold, his performance is extraordinary. Oh, Absolutely. I don't know what happened where this performance wasn't lauded more critically. Yeah. He is the movie. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't know if it's just, I think maybe it's just like he wasn't taken seriously. He was Marky Mark. It was this, you know, he is this dirt diggler. He's like not really giving a performance, whatever it is, but like he is so good in this movie. Absolutely. That it is unfathomable. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you can't really imagine that Mark. Should Oliver... we be telling people what these movies are about? Everybody knows going, what Boogie Nights is. Everybody knows what Boogie Nights is. Maybe with some of the others we'll explain a little okay. more. But Boogie Nights, um, really one of the kind of – when you think 90s movies, it's one of the kind of quintessential 90s movies to me where it's just like – you know, it's on that list with Pulp Fiction and, and a few others that just are the first ones that jump out when you think of like – Yeah, sure. That world and, and the new the, – that new style of independent movies and – you know, this is this is obviously a little bit little bit later in the movies than that initial wave, but or later in the nineties than that initial wave of independent movies. But sure. Um oh my god. It's, I'm getting a call from no caller ID. Should I answer it? Answer it live on the podcast, put it up on the mic. Hello. Hi. Hi. Have you ever seen the movie Wait, is this Xander? <laughs> Wait, you okay? Okay, real quick. I think legally, I have to tell you, I'm recording our conversation. I'm recording. I'm recording the podcast. You came up as no caller ID. But by the way, so. So you had no idea we were recording the podcast, and you you, no, an, no, you started by have you seen the movie Adam and Steve? <laughs> Did we talk about that on the podcast last week? You, by the way, this is going on the you. This is going on the episode, so be careful what you say about the film Adam. What is Adam and Steve? Two thousand five. 
checks out. Sounds about right. Here is the poster for the movie. Oh, Adam and Steve. Okay. Uh, Starring uh, Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan. Does he play Adam or Steve? Uh, he's one of the best friends. Interesting. I'll have to check. So why why are you calling and asking me this? Oh well, that was nice of you. Um, we're we're currently discussing boogie. We're we're in the middle of our boogie nights discussion. Any thoughts on boogie nights? Ooh, um, I really enjoyed being free Heather Graham. <laughs> oh, yeah, Heather Graham, iconic. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank thank you for your thoughts. I'll, I'll call you once we're done. Okay. Any 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 words to the podcast? Uh, the pod. I did it too. The podcast boys. <laughs> the pop. Any 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 thoughts of the popcorn boys universe? Okay, that's enough. Thank you so much. That's all we have time for. I'll call you later. Bye. Wow. I don't know who that was. An unexpected Adam and Steve. What reference. a weird... To get a call and then for immediately to ask about a movie. <laughs> well, wow. Fortuitous. Uh, here is the plot line for Adam and Steve. Follows two New York City couples, one heterosexual and one gay, who explore the peaks and the valleys of their respective relationships. Wow, that sounds fun. It's got a 48 on Metacritic. Oh. Only seventeen. About the same as stuff, don't so. look up. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do a whole Adam and Steve be next ep- week's episode. Adam and Steve. Adam, the Adam and Steve episode. <laughs> Sorry, West Side Story. <laughs> uh. Anyway, where were we? Boogie uh, Nights. Angry Heather Graham. Mark Wahlberg. Uh. Really, with a tour de force as a young actor. Is well, Mark uh, Wahlberg an auteur? Look. M- most certainly. How involved not. in Wahlburgers is Mark? Uh, that not, feels more like a Donnie venture. It might not even be a Donnie venture. Ooh. I, Mark, I, actually, I, I think it Mark, is Donnie. Mark, Donnie, and should we guess uh, <laughs> Stevie? Oh, yeah, we can go with that. Come down to Wahlburgers. Oh, my God. Let's see. Uh, owned by Chef Paul Wall. Paul Wahlberg oh, I knew. and his brothers, actors Donnie and Mark. So it's Paul. Yes. So Paul was like, hey, I'm going to open a restaurant. Are you interested? And like, can we call it Wahlburgers and will you guys support it? And, and will can we open in every airport? <laughs> yeah, it must be doing quite well. I guess. I mean, Wahlberg. Like, at what point? Right, hold on. The chain. I'm on the. I'm on the Wikipedia page for Wahlburgers. Forty minutes in, we're on the second. <laughs> the chain. The chain was the subject of the television series Wahlburgers, which debuted on A and E in 2014 and aired for ten seasons. Oh, you didn't know that? They did ten seasons I on ble- Wahlburgers. I believe an Emmy nominated program. Ten seasons? Oh yeah. What? Do you understand how much drama there is in the fast food industry? I guess not. Here's my question. As somebody who doesn't eat meat, thank you. Everyone is standing up in their cars. <laughs> Weird. Sit back down. Hit the brakes. You're probably about to crash into someone. Um. At what point can you no longer improve on a burger? 95 episodes. Okay. It can, uh, it can, always, it can always keep getting better. I would always see Wahlburgers ads when I was watching Intervention. Better and better, baby. Who's your favorite interventionist? Um, say what now? 
Who is your favorite interventionist? Uh, John Edward. What? Was that his name? On intervention? No, he was the guy who had that show where he talked to dead people. Oh, the medium? That's not an interventionist. I know. Well, I don't know any interventionist, so I went with Jeff the guy. Jeff Van Vondren. I went, I went with the guy who pretended to talk to people's dead relatives. Oh, my God. Tyler Henry, Hollywood medium. No. Teresa I'm Caputo. About, I'm talking Teresa about what Caputo. Was, what was the name of John Edwards? Long show? Island medium. Is it John Edward or John Edwards? Well, you know... I mean, was the, was the, uh, John Edward singular? John the plural Ed, is the John disgraced Ed, well, politician. I was, I was, John Edwards had a little bit. Well, I was gonna say John Edwards had a little bit more prominence and power, but is that true? John Edward could talk to the dead. John Edwards, I don't know. What was the name of the show that like crossing over with John Edward? This of was course. the biggest show on television. No, no one's ever heard of that. Uh, it was the biggest show on television in the year 2001. No. And he was, he's the most fraudulent fraud. John Edward, uh, if you're listening, come on the podcast. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to call you that out. That feels right for a podcast. Should we spin this off into true crime? <laughs> Do you know? Probably. Can I tell you something? Do you know how easy it would be to make a successful true crime podcast? Have you looked at, like, if you ever need to kill some time, I would scroll through, like, the Apple podcast charts of, like, the most successful podcasts. Oh, people just search true crime. 90% of them are two white women drinking wine, and it's called <laughs> LOLs and Murder. And we have a kid. Moms who love murder. There's a section in John Edwards' Wikipedia page. Uh, are, are we talking about the politician or the medium at this point? The medium, the fraud. Edward. Well, they're both singular. Uh, Aren't all politicians frauds? I mean, can we talk about that for a second? Nine special. Oh no! So, if you're wondering whether this guy was legit, he made a nine eleven special. Who did he talk to? Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know. We should do a nine eleven episode where we watch World Trade Center and United ninety three. Oh. That's a good idea. I've never seen either. What? I've seen them both, obviously, in theaters. What other 9 United 93 is legitimately great. Yes, yes. World Trade Center is, you know, unfortunately not. That came out while the dust wasn't settled yet. (laughs) They were still pulling bodies out. And Nicolas Cage and Oliver Stone were like, yeah, we should cash in on this. Nicolas Cage, you seeing that? I think so, right? (laughs) Pig himself? Well, he's not the pig. Hold on, I'm looking up 9/11. This movies. is off the rails. What else do we have? Uh, eh. Zero Dark Thirty, but that's not really. This is just a movie called 9/11 with Charlie Sheen. Came out in 2017. Oh, watching that. Um, what else? What else? What else? Zero Dark Thirty doesn't really count. Huh. That's it? No, there have been more 9/11 movies than that. Uh, Fahrenheit 9/11. Oh boy. <laughs> Oh, here we go. Seven movies worth watching about 9-11. <laughs> Extremely loud Sounds... and incredibly close. Oh, my God. Actually, a Best Picture nominee. Never saw The it. Reluctant Fundamentalist. That's the name of it. Now, what is that? Rain Over Me. I saw Rain Over Me. Remind me. Adam Sandler and Don Sheeta. Oh, sure. Yeah. Missed that flick. The Reluctant Fundamentalist. How is that not on CBS? <laughs> 
All right, can we? We should probably double back to Boogie. Oh Nights. my God! Yeah, let's get back Boogie Nights. Uh, to answer your question that you asked forty-five minutes ago, I don't remember the question. Mark Wahlberg didn't get as much attention. I think partially because of what you're saying with you know he was Marky Mark was maybe wasn't taken seriously, but also there are so many other big-time performances yes. in this movie. Uh, you know from. From Burt Reynolds to Julianne Moore to Heather Graham, Oscar nominee, John C. Riley. The cast in this movie is insane. Well, and and we see Julianne Moore's first appearance in a PTA movie, and Julianne Moore is just heaven on a goddamn platter. (laughs) She's so good in Boogie Nights. Oh my god! Incredible, incredible. Uh, So Boogie Nights, extremely loud at the same time. What what more is there to say? If you haven't seen Boogie Nights, and what did you say? <laughs> I said she's incredible, but she's also extremely loud. Yeah, incredibly it's close. Not funny. It wasn't yeah. funny. It wasn't funny. Not, nothing about nine eleven is funny. Repeat the joke again. You said Julian Moore is incredible, and I said she's also extremely loud. It's not. It's not a good. Jo- it's not funny. Move on. I enjoyed it. One thing. One thing I will say. The Philip Seymour Hoffman character to me does not age well. It's weird. It's, what? I don't I don't like it. It's not wow. his sexuality is sort of played like it it almost like equates being gay with being like a creep. And don't shut your mouth. Oh, I don't think he's a creep at all. He kisses him. Yeah, he's, he's like, a cre- he's a creep. He's like sexually repressed. He's it there's a theme in some of these movies, and I'm thinking of two in particular, these PTA movies where there's a gay character and isn't that nice, but the person is an absolute goddamn deranged <laughs> lunatic. Well, and I you're like, oh, interesting. Okay. See, I don't think uh, Scotty comes across as a creep at all in the movie. Just kind of like... Oh, uh, I would get your eyes on it again. I've seen it very recently. I would get your eyes on it again. Creep is the wrong word. He's like psychopath, pathetic, but he's not a creep. Oh, well, isn't that nice? We're also pathetic to you. That's not what I said. (laughs) Such a fucking idiot. That's it's a it's a little. It's a great scene. It doesn't it it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Okay. Um. So let's talk about the dick. Oh yeah. So prosthetic, right? Yes. Fame. Uh. Does that the, uh, mean that his dick is small, Mark Wahlberg? Do you think Mark Wahlberg has a small dick? No, because he's probably abused steroids over the years, right? Or is he? Or is he so clean and lean? Do steroids make your dick small, or just kind of like shrivel up your testicles? Wouldn't know. Never been a problem for me, baby. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> I've never taken steroids and I have a big dick. <laughs> okay. I don't. What's this the is, question? This is the second <laughs> bout of TMI you've already had. I think you cut the first one out, but I'm yeah, not cutting it out. I, listen, can I tell you? I forget what it was. <laughs> and I'm not adding shit. Okay. Uh, yeah, apparently. I want to know why. Why what? Why prosthetic? Well, because he has to have a massive dick. Okay, so you've answered my question. No, your question was, does he have a small dick? I think. Well, this leads into a big compared to the this leads into a big conversation that we can't truly cannot have. But (laughs) interesting. I would like to see it. Okay. It's got to be out there somewhere, right? 
And some of those Calvin Klein ads. I was going to say, it wasn't I used that, to like, look pretty closely. Yeah, haven't you uh, busted out a magnifying glass? To... Bust? <laughs> I used to bust all over them. <laughs> There's three. Okay, three Oedipus. Oh, God. We... <laughs> <laughs> this is not going well. No, uh, speak for yourself. Boogie Nights, truly one of the best movies uh, ever made. 90s movies, incredible movie. Yeah. One of the all-time great turns as well from this, like, fun-loving, hilarious comedy to, like, oh, boy, it's getting dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just everything about it just works flawlessly. Sure. Um Put PT on the map. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of I was I couldn't remember uh, William H Macy's character, but it's Lil Bill. Oh my god! Speaking of pathetic characters in in Boogie Nights, Uh, what's your favorite performance in Boogie Nights? Uh, Julianne Moore. Okay. I mean, if Julianne Moore is in a movie, that will probably be my answer. Yeah, I mean, she's so good in this. It's amazing. I love Burt Reynolds too. He's. I mean, everybody's great. That's the thing, right? Right. Everybody's great. Heather Graham's great. Yeah. Like Don Cheadle's great. Don Cheadle's great. John C. Riley is great. Luis Guzman's great. Mark Wahlberg, great. Jackie Jack. Jackie Jack. <laughs> it's great. Everybody's great. One, uh, of the what great an opening one of the great ensembles. Scene, shot, just great. Going into the club. Where we haven't been, unfortunately. We have not been there. Yeah. Uh, meeting everyone. Roller girl skating around. Roller girl. You gotta love Roller Girl. Love Roller Girl. It's a great movie. One of the best ensembles. <sighs> Let's move on. Should we watch Boogie? Should we stop this and just watch Boogie Nights again? Sure. Okay. All right. Okay, we just watched Boogie Nights. <laughs> and we're back. Boogie Nights was great. It's like three hours long. I know. But one of those rare, like, don't mind the length. Oh, Boogie Nights could be even longer, and I'd be yeah. fine with it. Yeah, honestly. Now, <laughs> <laughs> funny we should uh, make that transition. So then we move on to 1999. I need to cut everything I've said from this episode. I'm so sorry to everybody listening. For what? I've said a lot of very crude things. Yeah, we know. Well, we did just talk about a movie that involves yeah, pornography. Yeah, you're right. So I was matter. kind of was forced out of me. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Anyway, so uh, his much-anticipated follow-up to Boogie Nights mm-hmm. is 1999's Magnolia, which is one of the most fascinating movies, okay. I think, <laughs> ever made in terms of what he's trying to do, what, in that. <laughs> what this movie ends up as, like the... He's, he's really shooting for something here. He's he's okay. going for it with this fascinating story. Me and Magnolia, as you know, as anybody who's ever listened to this podcast knows, I watched Magnolia for the first time less than a year ago. You a did? Year... You... <sighs> Are you <laughs> on this show? You start this I, I with, mean... as you know, as if I remember that fact. Well, you should. You saw Magnolia for the first time. This is a recently. Okay. This is a well-known fact. What episode did this come up in? I want to listen. The Oscars back. episode. Right. Huh. 
Magnolia was in that Oscars year. Was it? Yeah. Yes. Listen. Anyway. <laughs> I don't think Ma- that's true. Yes, it is. It came out in 99, though, didn't it? Well, why do we talk about it? I don't know. We did a 2000s Oscars. The year 2000 was the ceremony. No. Because Gladiator won and Gladiator Gladiator? Won. Oh, you're <laughs> right. Well, no. It, listen, it doesn't matter. I know, but now I'm confused. Anyway. We'll look it up. Um, so famously, uh, had not watched... Magnolia had been on the top of like my watch list forever. Never got around to it for whatever reason. The fact that it's over three hours long didn't help, of course. Finally watched it for the first time. And you can go back to whatever episode we talked about this. I won't tell you which one it was because I don't know. Talked about it a little bit there. Watching this movie for the first time is such like sensory overload that it's almost impossible to understand or get any sort of read on what's happening. And you are sort of all enveloped in this thing. It is insane. And I came away the first time being like, wow, like I really enjoyed that. Like just crazy. You love to see something so bold and whatever yes so then you get your eyes on it again <laughs> and you think to yourself okay i sort of know what's like i don't have to be like what is happening right i can sort of focus on the narrative so be it this movie is a goddamn mess <laughs> <laughs> um. and hold on it's an entertaining mess Okay. It's never not entertaining for the entire three plus hours. There's always something to get your eyes on. Right. And get your ears on. But narratively, the structure of this thing is pure chaos. Oh, chaos is the right word. I agree. I don't think it's a mess. I think, but I do agree that it is chaos. Like there's a, there's a sequence like halfway through the movie where it feels like the climax of the movie because (laughs) – they're they're jumping around every like eight seconds it's... as like the absolute peak of drama is crescendoing in every one of these stories. Well, are you talking about when they all cut to each of them singing no, the that, lyrics that comes to a little an bit Amy later. Man song, which is I'm gonna say it now one of the worst scenes I've ever seen. Oh, it's fantastic! I love it when all these characters are for some reason singing the lyrics it's of the same song. Not please Look, great song phenomenal stop. song amy, amy man listens yeah. huge amy man fan when they're cutting to all these characters for some reason singing the lyrics of amy man song absolutely embarrassing laughing out loud you can hardly stand it though i should have been cut into what that is thing. this ba- are you like a i don't know is this a baritone but it's a bass? not going to stop Okay. What? Go on. What are your other thoughts on Magnolia? Um, the scene where they sing "Wise Up." Oh, okay. Well, here we are. Somehow I had forgot. So I've seen this movie probably three times, mm-hmm. including over the last two days. For you know, I I rewatched it again for for I believe the third time, possibly fourth. Somehow I'd forgotten that this scene exists. 
And when it started, I thought uh, the same thing. <laughs> when I watched it again, I was like, "Well, that's the what thing. is happening." That's what you're talking about with with like. There's so much happening in it yeah. that you can watch a movie and forget. Like you watched it a year ago, and somehow you forgot that there's a scene where Tom Cruise is just inexplicably singing an Amy Mann song. Absurd. That's how hectic the it's, whole thing it's is. It's insane. It's insane. Um, you know the the one takeaway I had. <laughs> so this movie is so dramatic. Oh, like these people are not having good days. There's there was a point about two thirds of the way through the movie where I kind of had this realization, and I actually think Magnolia is a great movie. It's okay. Not a perfect movie. It's like it's going. It's trying to do way too many things. It kind of feels like, but I appreciate the the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Trying to do too much. Like the ambition behind audacity. This this is one of the most ambitious movies I think ever made or attempted or whatever. Like what he's trying to do is like script is ambitious. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Just like it just it feels it sort of reeks of. I made Boogie Nights. Everybody yes, that's thinks what I'm, I'm a genius. And now I have to talk. Now it. I'm doing this. <laughs> and all of a sudden, frogs are flying. Yes. Um, I guess my question, before we get into what I know you want to talk about. What is this movie trying to say? Doesn't matter. What is, no. What is movie, what is oh, movie? You didn't let me finish my point. <sighs> Sorry. There's a sequence of like, there's a good half hour where scene after scene after scene and there's at least like seven or eight scenes in a row. They all feel like, uh, like actor monologue audition scenes. Oh yes, where it's like someone is coming in to like practice a, a, a scene in an acting class where they really have to get like peak emotional. Well, and it's funny. And there's you, like eight of them in the row well, where they're and you just know, giving these speeches and breaking I, down, and it's like, well, I love that shit. Well, it's like, that's what I'm saying. It's it's ridiculous and like melodramatic or just dramatic I don't know what the difference is but yeah. it's also like kind of great to watch I don't disagree it, it is but it's also like you're like when I was watching it again yesterday it's like you can't there are no bearings for anything that's happening so you can't really sink your teeth into like caring about any of it like the Jason Robards uh monologue like he's like what's his name he's the old guy you uh, what I just watch this jason robards yeah is that his name who are you talking about he's the old guy who's dying who dies oh oh, his dad. oh oh gotcha gotcha sorry he like gives this insane monologue oh yes and it's incredible but you're like it it it's almost hard to care because it's being interspliced with all these other characters, <laughs> and you're like, it, it's just, it, it's such chaos in a very entertaining way. Like, I think Magnolia is a movie that you could turn on, like, be entertained any day of the week. Ultimately, my big question is. And it's weird, like, I, I don't think most people see this as, like, a quote unquote entertaining movie. It's kind of like, I oh, understand. Oh, to me, this is the peak I understand, of entertainment. I understand that you do, <laughs> but, like, this is, like, People are like sobbing watching this movie. This is a, a movie about grief, oh, to probably me, primarily. Well, to me, I mean, and this, regret. This, this will sound like a joke. I like to me, Magnolia is like a comedy. <laughs> it's very fun. Like it's funny. Like I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's certainly. Oh, the whole thing is funny to me. Like 
Well, I think that's kind of a, a through line through uh, PTA's movies here. Is yeah, that, like, sure. Even the most dramatic of these movies are like there. It, there's just an, a little level of of comedy that's happening at the same time. Where if you're if you take it in that way, yeah, it's hilarious. Although I do think of all of his movies, this is probably the hardest one to tap into the comedy of, just because it's so. Other it than is other than like, because it is so dramatic, like. Yeah. There's a scene where it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, like, oh, why, why doesn't your daughter talk to you? You can t- tell me. You, you gotta tell me. He goes, well, you know, I think it's because she think I she thinks I touched her. She goes, can you tell me? Did you touch her? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, how dare you? I'm like, it's. It's just so insane. It's a great. That's a great scene. But it's funny to me. Okay. Weird. The movie Magnolia is a comedy. <laughs> that was not a take I was expecting here. Yeah. You know. Magnolia listen. is a comedy. Okay. Look at it that way. I'll fire it up again and see. Oh God! I'll clear out your schedule. Yeah, it's it's exceedingly long. It's too long. It's the whole thing sort of reeks a little bit of like pretension, like I was sort of saying earlier, like oh. Yeah, God. I think, okay, buddy. you know, I was saying ambitious before, but ambitious and also this, this might be the most pretentious movie ever made. It's, it's, it's a lot. And again, I like this movie. I actually think it's great, but it is sure. pretentious. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into it. So. Are you pulling something up? No, I was just looking up what the runtime actually is. For oh. the movie. It's three hours and eight minutes. Oh, boy. Um, this movie features a performance by one Thomas Cruise. Is his name Thomas? Is his name even Tom Cruise? No. It's like, isn't it like something Merriweather or something? Isn't it like the guy, Tom? The whole, thing, the whole guy's a fraud. Tom Cruise? A fraud? A frog? <laughs> uh, Thomas Cruise Maypother. Maypother? Maypother? The fourth. So his middle name is Cruise? Yeah, apparently. M A P O T H E R. Interesting. Well, Thomas Cruise Maypother <laughs> was nominated for an Oscar for his performance here in Magnolia. He was. He's never won the Oscar. Never. And let's be clear, never will. Ooh. Well, he's going to win one. It's either that his hooks into Scientology are so deep that people just truly cannot respect him anymore or those hooks are those hooks are so deep that he will absolutely win one it's one or the other a great question i don't know he kind of like this was in his his kind of streak of really like going for awards performances before he's kind of pivoted later in his career to and more and if it wasn't you know what's interesting like he has jerry Maguire, this and eyes wide shut all within like 3 or 4 years well, do you know what's interesting? I think the person who might be able to propel him back to Oscar contention Ooh. is Paul Thomas Anderson. I wonder if they would ever work together again. I have no idea what their relationship is like. It seems like Tom Cruise has become like I feel like he produces every like he's the one in charge basically of every one of his movies now. And to give yeah. himself over to yeah. to a Paul Thomas Anderson type. To like do, I'm thinking, it would clearly like, be like for an awards push, 
and I, I'm sure. all for it. Well, I don't clear. know. I, just I don't am... know. You know, PTA has you know complicated history. He certainly doesn't seem to be the most perfect guy in the world, which I guess we should also acknowledge. But I don't know what his relationship to like to somebody like Tom would be. But then you like you look at Licorice Pizza, like. I'm thinking of like Tom Cruise in sort of like a Sean Penn role in like right. Pizza, right? Or the like Burt Reynolds role in Boogie Nights, yes. something along those lines, where he's he's kind of the older but, statesman you know, doing a small are, supporting you know, role, willingly working with Sean Penn in the year 2021 after you know decades of abuse allegations. I mean, who cares? But you know, I guess you know, <laughs> boys will be boys. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> Anyway, Tom Cruise in Magnolia is a phenomenal performance. Again, this is an anti-Mark Wahlberg podcast. It's an anti-Tom Cruise podcast. Oh, certainly not. This is the most pro-Tom Tom Cruise is the devil. Tom Cruise deserves death. I hope he dies. I he, Honestly, I hope he dies tomorrow. Outrageous. He is phenomenal in this movie. Gives a performance that I was wondering while watching, does he know he's supposed – like how much of Tom is like, this guy rules – like does he? How much of him knows that his performance is supposed to be like campy, unclear, like that? For all we know, Tom Cruise is playing Tom Cruise in this film. Okay. Well, that, that's why the his, his, the arc of the Tom Cruise character in this film is is fascinating to me because I mean, he's going to drop kick a dog. <laughs> he says it like four times. <laughs> This dogs come near me, I will drop kick. Listen, <laughs> I, I listen. I'm willing to admit. Sometimes I can even say that my biggest enemies do worthy things. Okay, Lord knows you do something once in a while, but Tom Cruise gives a performance in Magnolia. It's, Did you just call it's me your biggest enemy? One, I said no. I said one of. He gives a performance in this movie that is it's perfect. Yes, his the the yeah the scene where he's just breaking down is. Also, the the scene where he's being interviewed and he just he just shuts her down is, yeah, really. It, it's great. Great character. Great performance. Man, Tom Cruise, what an actor. Okay. What a star. What we a also performer. get to see my girl Julianne what again. What a haircut. Julianne is acting for her life. <laughs> she really. <laughs> and I is. love it. Like this movie was like, hey, <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson to Julianne Moore before Magnolia was like, hey, you know how uh, you were the most dramatic anyone's ever been in Boogie Nights. Well, we're going to crank it up about four extra notches and here. Let's go, bless, baby. And God bless. And God bless. Yeah. She's, ultimately, she's great. Ultimately, I think my main takeaway from Magnolia is I think Magnolia feels like a movie that thinks it has a lot to say and ultimately doesn't say anything. Yeah, that's probably – I mean – I don't I don't even I'm making it sound like I hate this movie. I don't. I think it's like incredibly watchable and like very entertaining. <laughs> I don't even think it's the funniest movie. What no, I said one of. Um it's a very funny movie. <clears throat> Unfortunately, a dog does die in the movie. Don't even get me started on that. A dog dies, a boy a boy pees his pants. Have you ever peed your pants in public? We talked about this in the podcast, I'm sure. I don't think I have, no. Mm, really missing out. It's such a rush. <laughs> um but, like, what am I taking away from that? What am I taking away from the Stanley storyline of him on the game show? What am I taking – like, what – I'm watching it, and it's entertaining. I think to, there's something to, to take away from kind of each of these stories, but you kind of have to, like – Well, and also, I I actively re- – I the John C. Riley storyline, I just don't like 
at all, really. That one's one of my lesser... I, I don't like that one that much, and I don't love the William H. Macy one either. Well, I... Oof. Here we go again. Like, this, <laughs> this gay character who has to be so troubled and fractured and deemed... Like, it's just... He's such a weirdo. He's, like, hitting on the bartender. It's like, okay, okay, I don't know. It's sort of the same thing as, like, the Philip Seymour Hoffman character in Boogie Nights, where it's like, we have a gay character who is just, like, a fucking weirdo, who is, like, (laughs) hitting on every single person he sees. Just one. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I understand that. Um, But, like, even those are... Well, they're my least favorite in in the movie. Those two kind of storylines, but although the John C. Riley storyline, I I don't dislike. Something's off about it. It it is. It's off. And it, is it his performance? <sighs> is it her performance? Maybe. It's just something it's just is slightly pleasant. amiss. Yeah. It's just not a pleasant thing to. I don't know. It's just not. It's just not very pleasant. But again, I'm making it sound like I hate this movie. I really. I think there's a lot to like love in this. But ultimately, I'm watching it. And I'm like, what? It feels like it's coming. To, I think it's uh, again a rewatch where you're like really looking for. Okay, okay, so I've seen this before. What am I? What's happening here? And you watch it again. And you're like, oh well, nothing really. It's just kind of throwing a bunch of shit at the wall, and it's. Throwing a bunch of frogs on the Throwing ground. Throwing a bunch of frogs at the wall. <laughs> on the ground, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's a comedy and it's uh, it's, yeah. worth, it's worthwhile. But uh, Great it's, movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just not – I don't think it ascends It's ambitious. It's pretentious. It's preposterous. It's – It's Paul Thomas Anderson. Long. It's – yeah. 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 So he follows that up, interestingly enough, a few years later with 2002's Punch Drunk Love. Yes, he does. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he goes from making his longest movie <laughs> to his shortest movie. It is half the length. <laughs> not even, I don't think. Um, Punch Drunk Love, we get another moment of like, oh, he's casted someone interesting here. Mm-hmm. You know, we had Wahlberg in, in Boogie Nights. Tom, I mean, I guess in 99, it wasn't didn't feel that weird to cast Tom Cruise in the role. A little bit, though. You know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, more like a weird role, but not like weird that sure. he was in the movie. Sure. Um, but we get obviously Adam Sandler, yeah. Who's, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time he dives into a more dramatic. I believe role. so. I mean, now, so obviously it, there are plenty of comedy elements yeah. in this movie. Yeah. But like Sandler is coming off like I don't know, Big Daddy. Yeah, <laughs> whatever, sure. And then all of a sudden, Little Nicky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Happy Gilmore. Keep going. Why are you staring at me? Oh, I'm, Billy, Ma- I'm just naming Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's Billy we Madison. Oh, nice. That's a good one. <laughs> um, did you? So I actually haven't seen Punch Drunk Love in in a bit. Rewatched. That's, that's it. probably the one I have seen least recently. Rewatched it a few days ago. Had not seen it in a very long time, so it it felt very fresh. This will maybe sound like an indictment on the movie, and I don't want it to. It just feels so much slighter than essentially everything else on this resume. Like and you said, certainly it's, it's coming a, off Boogie Nights and Magnolia, which are these 
epics of well know. and even what's coming next like when we're talking about something well, yeah, like there will true. be blood and the master like these are like yeah heavy. this is definitely he does it, uh, he has a five movie run of Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love, There Will Be Blood, and The Master. Yeah. Like, these one are, of these things is not like the others. And it's smack dab in the middle, and I don't think that that was an accident. Like, I think he probably just wanted to do something a little bit lighter. And uh, it's it's good. It's lighter. It's weird. It is weird. San- but I, I think really the crux of the movie is Sandler, and I think Sandler gives a great performance. Um, it's it's a It's fine. Yeah, you know it. It it it, it occupies an interesting sp- like I appreciate that it exists in his sort of filmography PTA as I'm saying. Like it's a nice little anecdote to everything else. Yes, it feels you know of less importance, but there's still a lot of great. This, this movie has a. I'm not sure if the entire thing works for me. Kind of. The, 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 the just... pudding. Yeah, there's a lot of pudding. <laughs> yeah. But this movie has moments. And that I think that's one of the things that you can almost always guarantee in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Even if you end up, like, not loving it, mm-hmm. there's going to be at least a few great moments no yeah. matter what. And Punch Strong Glove has a few of them. And the best one to me is is the, the phone call scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman where they're just yelling at each other, just threatening yeah. each other and yelling at each other. You're like – if you don't remember that scene, look it up right now on YouTube. It's well. Also, you know, Emily Watson is in here uh, as sort of the love interest for Sandler, and she's great. Mm. Something that was interesting in watching it again is so Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, in the movie. He sort of is the what should we say ringleader of this kind of like phone sex thing and has these goons and right. all of this stuff but he oh do you remember what his business is that is sort of the front for that do you remember do you know what he sells uh is it mattresses mattresses yeah well there you go and you know fast forward some 20 years later his son is selling some mattresses in a pta is it movie fat well. bernie's is that the name of his mattress store maybe no but i don't know i like it was interesting to see that yeah put those two things yeah together. that's a fun uh, it's yeah, it, it, Punch Drunk Love is a fun little thing to throw on. I, I I think it's I think it's worthwhile. But you know, like we've said, just certainly a much breezier time. Not that there's not some uh, some heavy elements, obviously, and some uh, some drama to go along with the Adam Sandler buying pudding to go to Hawaii of it all. But <laughs> right, um, uh, I'm looking at the on the Wikipedia page here. It's talking about this after the success of Magnolia and. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson kind of sort of famously got like not a blank check, but like he got complete control over Magnolia coming off of Boogie Nights being a big hit. He basically was they were basically like, do whatever you want. We're green lighting it. And he made this crazy Magnolia. So coming off of Magnolia, Anderson stated that he would work with Adam Sandler and then he was determined to make his next film 90 minutes long. Oh, God. (laughs) And he he almost did it. This this is uh, ninety five minutes. Ugh, what a dream! I wish he would stick to that. <laughs> I mean, it, it had it had to have been kind of weird. And I I kind of remember the the reception to this being like this. But this this came out what oh two you said yes. Um, so you know I was you know fourteen years old or whatever. But I I remember there being a little bit of a narrative of like. Okay, so we made Boogie Nights, he made Magnolia, and now we did what? 
Yeah. And I think it just probably – I think Punch Rook Love is maybe – I mean, it came out and had a decent reception, I believe. I think people enjoyed it. But I, I, I think it probably had been a bit of a shock to the system to see him do something um, pretty relatively unexpected. I, yeah, this I is our assume. first glimpse that, uh, you know, he's is going to be covering a wide spectrum of, yeah, of sure. movie types. Sure. Um. As we move on here, he, he interesting. He won best director at at uh, Cannes for this movie. Is that right? Yeah, he was nominated for the Palme d'Or, but did not win. He won, but he did win best director. Wow, interesting I don't how that, that happens at all. So uh, next up, I believe we have the longest break between yeah releases, or I guess the next two are both five years. So. Punch Drunk Love comes up and comes out in 2002, and he doesn't have another movie again until 2007's There Will Be Blood. You need a milkshake? Yeah. <laughs> there Will Be Blood. Plenty has been said, written, talked about. With I know. There what, will be blood. what can we even bring to the conversation? This movie, um, like if someone was going to up and say this is the greatest movie anyone's ever made. I would respect that as a choice. It wouldn't be my choice. Mm-hmm. But this is like kind of an all-timer in terms of just like a great American movie. Filmmaking. I mean, this is filmmaking. Filmmaking. This is filmmaking. This is acting. This is, oh, <laughs> oh is it ever. I mean, we have our boy, Daniel Day-Lewis, coming to the front of the pack. Yes. Daniel Day-Lewis. This is the movie that kind of took him from being like, everyone knew he was a great actor. He had done a bunch of stuff, Was had already won a couple Oscars. Now, this is where he jumps to like, is he the greatest actor of his generation? Is he an all-timer? Is and I this think- the best lead performance anyone's ever given? Like, th- these are the types of conversations that you yes. have around this movie. Oh, uh, oh, I mean, yeah, the conversation around There Will Be Blood is not... It's not good. It's, well, like, how good? Like, how do we need to discuss this in terms of, like, film history, really? Yeah. And again... Like, this is the, this pops up a lot of times as, like, number one on best movies of the century so far lists. And yet... Mm. No, I don't really have, have a zag. Yet. You have a zag I, coming? No, not really. No, it's great. It's it's amazing. I mean, one could argue parts of it are a tough watch. For sure. Sort of by design. I so mean, it's my, hard to... my concern is... Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's, that's my only impression of... And also, uh, I will say, you know, here? Daniel Day-Lewis gets so much... Daniel Plainview? Oh, yeah, of course. Daniel Day-Lewis gets so much attention for this movie, and rightfully so, but I would like to shout out Paul Dano. Yes. Who is excellent. He really is. And, and, and has the burden of having to be a, you know, a male performance underneath right. Imagine Daniel like, Day-Lewis. And Paul Dano sort of was like not you on like... This podcast. I'm sorry, what? It's sort of like you on this podcast. You're my Paul Dano. Uh... I'm sorry, what now? It's sort of like you on this podcast. You were my Paul Dano. Wow. Wow, wow, we wa. Wow, wow, we wa. So, Can Paul you Dano. Can imagine having a conversation with Daniel Day Lewis? 
before doing this no, first of all no absolutely not um well depending on what movie he's doing at the time i oh guess oh my god um the whole do we uh, i don't have time for that basically they're paul dano coming into this movie has basically done two things like he's done a handful of movies but he's done the girl next door where he plays like sure. the pervy friend of of the main perv in the movie the pervy perv of the main perv great movie by the way yeah well, it's also your role you're the pervy perv of the main perv. <laughs> oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> you being the main perv. Yeah, of based course. Based on your comments earlier in the episode. Yeah, based... Oh, come on. We were talking about Boogie Nights. Let and of course, know. and he did uh, Little Miss Sunshine, which he, where he basically doesn't say anything the whole movie. Sure. Um, And then suddenly he's thrown into... You know, this movie is basically just the two of them. Yeah. I mean, and, and the and the son who doesn't do anything. It's... It, yeah, it, it's... The word that I always come back to with there will be blood is there will be blood. Oil. <laughs> well. <laughs> milkshakes. Bowling. Oil. Yeah. Oil, milkshakes, bowling. <laughs> mm, three of my favorite things. Uh, it's it's just brutal. Like, yeah. in a great way. But it's like, it is not. On the same token, if someone would be like, I can't watch that movie. It makes me too uncomfortable. Right. It's like, well, you're a loser, but I understand what you're saying. Like, it is just, it is so, like, it is, how, I don't know. What am I trying to say? I don't know. It's just so, When it comes to the showdown, they won't be there. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen. Ugh, what a speech. Do you think Jeremy Strong? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> do you think he saw there will be blood and said that i do oh my god when people listen to this they might know whether well no we shouldn't sorry i was going to give some successions oh yeah movie. don't probably shouldn't do that what's your favorite scene in there will be blood Ooh, maybe bowling bowling maybe uh what about i've abandoned my boy yeah, that's pretty good. I've abandoned my child. <laughs> uh. What a madman. Who? Daniel, do you think Daniel Day Lewis has any friends? And also, do you think he is actually retired from acting? Uh, who the hell knows? I, I, I don't know. Here, I'm going to play. It's just an ad. It's time to play a scene from the movie. This is my favorite scene in the movie. It's just his speech. Yeah, I want you to talk over it. I've traveled across half our state to be here and to see about this land. I dare say some of you might have heard some of the more extravagant rumors about what my plans are. I just thought you'd like to hear it from me. This is the face. No great mystery. Now, a lesser podcast would play I Drink Your Milkshake or Oh, I'll, come I'll on. No my boy. way. He likes to think of himself as an oil man. Wow. And so do I. <laughs> Is that so? I like to think of myself as an oil man. Yeah, because you constantly put oil in that fucking beater of a car. 
<laughs> it's leaking oil all down the block, baby. Uh, That's what I say when I show up. To all right. The, so when I show up to the mechanic, I'm like, I like to think of myself as an oil man. man. <laughs> and I'm running out. There will be blood. Listen, what what can you say? I mean, I think we've said it all. So, oh, one thing I want to shout out in this movie. I believe I was trying to look please. this up. I think this is the first time uh, Johnny Greenwood scored Ooh. a movie. Is that – I think that's right. Uh, da, 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 da. It's hard to tell because there's too much Radiohead on his Wikipedia page. But um, And he's, he's obviously become one of the uh, – let's see. Yeah, it really is. It looks like – what is this? Something called Body Song in 2003? Solo oh, – that's a solo album to go to a documentary or something. So that doesn't count. But, yeah, this is the first feature film that he does the Johnny. score for. Uh, and now he has since worked with with PTA multiple times. Yeah. Uh, with a handful of movies after the, after that, and also a couple other movies that we've talked about on this podcast. Spencer and the Power of the Dog. This year he did. God. He did not do Inherent Vice. Oh, actually he did, but he only did like. There, that was more of a soundtrack movie. Than Johnny a score Greenwood, the absolute movie. genius. Uh, but really incredible score. Oh, in this movie, so good. did he win the Oscar for this? Oscars did this movie win? Let's find out. Good question. Uh, we know, of course, that it won Best Actor. Search it was, Awards. It was nominated for Best Picture. I'm looking for it. Where is it? Critical Response. It's probably, no, it's a whole other page. Oh, Accolades. There it is. Uh, so it won Best Actor and Best Cinematography. Uh, it was not even nominated for Score. Wow. Nominated for picture, director, actor, screenplay, art direction, cinematography, editing, and sound editing. Wow. Indeed. Johnny. Huh? I said Johnny. Johnny G? Johnny G. Johnny Greenwood. So we go from Daniel Day-Lewis. Atonement won best score. Okay. Well, that's, you know, they need to atone for that. (laughs) Oh, we go from Daniel Day acting his guts out to what? You said how many years later? Five? five years later, yeah. We jump ahead another five years. We have not one but two people acting their guts out. Arguably a third as well. Amy? Yeah. No. She's not acting her guts out in this movie? No. Okay. Not a criticism. Okay. Not a criticism. Okay. She's giving a, she's giving a solid performance, but I'm just saying in the master, right. Joaquin Phoenix and Phyllis Seymour Hoffman are screaming like their lives. Yes, on. they are master and commander. Yes, <laughs> and I in in the best way. Don't get me wrong. The master. Now we talked about this on some other on the Amy Adams episode. Mm, yes, we talked about the master, a movie that if if I remember correctly, you don't love. Now, if someone said this is the best movie ever made. I would respect that as a choice. Okay, so you, you know, said that about the past two. Kind of, <laughs> well, what the, wouldn't you? One of the quintessential that? American movies, and like this shows up. Why does have to be American? This shows up as as number one on many of the kind of best of the century so far okay, movie so, lists. Sure. The point is, he's made two of these in a row that are that are kind of renowned. Sure. In similar ways as just these phenomenal. Well, that's why movies. we're talking about them. But yes. Um, this one doesn't quite connect for me. Yeah. The way other like 
I don't doubt its its achievement and even its brilliance, but it does it just doesn't quite hit me the right way to to love it the way I love There Will Be Blood. I love it. Sure. I think it, I mean we, yeah we, I guess we don't have to get talk ad nauseum about it because I think we talked about this a couple months ago but I I think it's phenomenal and I think Joaquin and Philip Seymour Hoffman are doing like I can I can rail against pretty easily these like screamy performances but I think they're both bringing so much at the same time like nuance to the table and then i think just like i think pta like directs the hell out of this movie it's like stunning it's so interesting visually it's just i i just think it's i just think it's philip seymour hoffman in this movie is like just he's just so good oh it's like oh that's an act like oh i get acting now i think the the (laughs) thing that I struggle with a little bit is the Joaquin Phoenix aspects. Like, I think he's giving a great performance, but it's in the way, you know, you were saying how some people just might not enjoy watching There Will Be Blood because of its, uh, whatever. It's Harshness, brutality. brutality. Uh, the kind of uncomfortableness of Joaquin Phoenix's character and performance is something that I kind of struggle to get past. Sure. Really connect with it. If, I think you know. Obviously, this isn't what the movie is, but if it had, if scales had tipped, you know, another bit towards like because I think in the Oscars even Joaquin was in lead and Philip Seymour Hoffman's in supporting, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, I think that's correct. But like he, Joaquin is the, is the lead. You know, the narrative is focused yeah. on him. And if if those roles had flipped, and I had gotten more of. Uh, Philip and uh, they dialed back Joaquin character a little bit, and okay. that's a whole different movie, obviously. But we well, you know it's interesting. I, you know, we were talking about this earlier about about Tom Cruise. I mean, this movie is like loosely based on Scientology, the creation of Scientology. Can't believe Tom Cruise wasn't in it. Well, he probably saw this and deleted PTA's number out of his phone. He was like, "I'm the master, right?" <laughs> do you think PTA? Or do you think Tom Cruise? would know how to put a contact into his phone. Ooh. I feel like we've discussed this before. Uh, you something were like, like, well, I think it's like, I bet Tom Cruise doesn't know how to use a cell phone, which I maintain. Hmm. Good question. Do you think Tom Cruise just like calls people up? Oh, he calls people all the time. But like religious leader, like people in the church. But like some people's probably someone like he has an assistant that's calling people. Sure, but who's he calling? I, I just don't think he has any friends. Oh, false. He's got people to talk to. Who? Me. <laughs> Tommy, here's my number. I just can't even imagine. Talking to Tom Cruise? Yeah. Oh, what a dream. He He's so Don't disconnected. you remember the rant? He's so disconnected. Hold on, I'll play from... the rant. No, me. no, we're not playing the rant. Not the rant again. Within the rant, he's ranting about how he's on the phone every night. With Hollywood producers. Yeah, okay, I'm sure. I'll find the part of the rant. Fine, great. No, Tom Cruise doesn't have any friends. What? And he shouldn't. He doesn't deserve to. How do I find this? I think it's the screen recording. Uh, oh, I mean, you don't have it saved on your phone? Oh. I do. Oh, it's only uh, two minutes and 41 seconds. Oh, my God.
right there. I'm on the phone with every fucking studio at night. Oh, wait. Apparently, he also calls insurance companies. That was the next line. Insurance companies. About wh- about what? Why is he yelling at people who are making so oh, much sorry. less money than him on the set of a movie? Oh, I'm. Oh, here we go. You would prefer they violate COVID protocols and get the movie shut down, and and make everyone what around movie them was unsafe? this? Because probably, uh, I think it was Mission Impossible. Yeah, well, take it or leave it. I don't think it was Top Gun Maverick. I think it was Mission Impossible. Yeah, I think it was Mission Impossible. Whatever. He's a, the guy's a dope. Why are we talking about Tom Cruise again? Oh, yeah. Scientology, the master. Uh, I bet that's where their relationship fizzled. Probably. I mean, it, it probably did. It probably, there probably well, wasn't much of one anyway. Well before if you, that. Can you find a photo of the two of them together? Oh, good question. Hold on. I'm looking up what year Philip Seymour Hoffman died. Oh, God. Because this movie came, came out in 2012, and he died in 2004. 14. So he probably he didn't do very many movies after this, huh? I'm looking up if I can find a photo of Paul Thomas Anderson and Tom Cruise. Nice. I'm looking up Philip Seymour Hoffman's filmography. <laughs> this is good podcasting. Yeah. Uh, okay, somehow he has one, two, three, four, six movies after this. Huh. Well, three of them are Hunger Games and... Two of the other three I've never even heard of. Wait, what are they? A late quartet. God's Pocket. God's Pocket. The only, are, the only like real movie he's done after this is A Most Wanted Man. There are like barely any photos of them together. And there's like one and it's all from the same event. It's like from like the Oscar brunch or whatever. <laughs> whatever. They hated each other. All right, so that's the master. Any other thoughts about the master? Uh, no, I love it. But we can move on now. Joaquin and the master to Joaquin in Paul Thomas Anderson's next film, 2014's Inherent Vice. Um, we were discussing this movie. Actually, I had it on when you arrived. We, yes, so you we did. Were, we were discussing this movie as I was trying to squeeze in a rewatch here. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I had seen it since the movie theater. That was that was my experience. I saw it seven years ago. I saw it in theaters. Hadn't seen it again. Watched it yesterday. In fact, uh, I had it on today, but was not super locked in. So a lot of this is I was just trying to trying to stimulate the memories from my theater experience seven sure. years ago, which let me tell you didn't work. <laughs> I don't remember what I thought. I actively dislike this movie okay i think it is this is the only one so far that you actively dislike yeah i think it is movie number seven of nine here. i just think it's incoherent i think it is it's based on a book it's like a direct adaptation of a book i think you can tell yeah just this because is like it's... the you know he, he's obviously he's based some of his movies on on short stories and stuff like that but most of them he's written entirely himself yeah uh this is the first one that's like a direct adaptation and it's just it's just a mess and it's so it's confusing it's like abstract it leads into these like psychedelic themes it i just it just doesn't i just don't care like i it's so long it's what two and a half hours long maybe even longer than that it's. I'm confused. I don't really know what's happening, and I don't care. 
I don't care about any of the people involved. Joaquin, here's the lead. He's giving a fine performance. He's pretty actually. He's pretty funny in parts. He, yeah, he's a I think that's kind of what performance. saves some of this from being more of a drag. Is he's his kind of uh, paranoia. Yes, is like what I remember most about that I liked. About I just movie. man, I just don't. I just don't. I just don't care about this movie at all. Yeah, it's one that I just. Yeah, obviously, as I didn't actually get the rewatch in, I just <laughs> yeah. kind of had it on in the background today. Uh, I wasn't dying to revisit it. I looked no. up what what I had kind of written down when I saw it in theaters, and what did you write down? Well, I didn't. You were writing down thoughts. Oh, well, I would like rate rate the movie. I give it a certain number of stars, or whatever. Sure. And I had it a little higher than I expected. Uh huh. Um, well, that was probably you just being like, well, I'm supposed to like this movie. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to remember if that's if that's the case or whether I was just like into it, you know, it's sure. probably saw it opening weekend, you know, it's Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie. Like, sure. I'm at the so arc light the big crowd. Oh, just probably. And like people are, up. people are laughing at the, Oh at the, yeah. You know, the one thing that was fun of this movie is like, is Reese Witherspoon is in here in a, in a completely thankless role. I mean, she has nothing to do, <laughs> um, but it was fun to see Joaquin and Reese together again. Yeah. After walk the line. Right. You know, Reese won an Oscar for that. You know, he played Johnny Cash. Here they are, however many years later. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so that was fun. But was, uh, there's nothing here for me to care about, unfortunately. It, I, I, yeah, certainly I honestly, not my It's like kind of off-putting to me, honestly. Like, I find a lot of it pretty, like, it's a slog. Yeah. Just not for me. Yeah, I don't think I'm... Uh, I'm very different from from your yeah. thoughts there. I think I'm mostly on the same page. Um, yeah. You know, I, again, I re- I apparently liked it in the moment. Wasn't looking forward to a rewatch. Kind of scrolled through it a little bit. Was like, yeah, this is this yeah. is fine. But I just wasn't excited to get into it. And I yeah. think that's kind of telling here. For sure. Um, well, let's keep it moving then. Oh. To uh, one, I think we think very differently than those thoughts there. 2017's Phantom Thread. Wow. Daniel Day-Lewis is back. He's back, baby. Like if you're if if an alien landed on Earth and you and were I trying hope they to do. and I hope they do. And you were trying to explain like acting. Oh, sure. Like with a capital A to them. I feel like you would just be like, "Hey, this is the same guy in this movie <laughs> as in There Will Be Blood." Like yeah. that's the same guy. It is astonishing. <laughs> for, I mean, it is astonishing, really. Uh, so Phantom Thread, a movie I believe, I think I had seen twice. I, I saw it in theaters, obviously, and then hadn't seen it in a minute. And I watched it again yesterday for the first time in a little while. Yes. And God, if it wasn't even better. Yeah. It is, and I don't throw this around lightly, Phantom Thread is a perfect movie. It's perfect. It is shot for shot heaven. It is so good. And I think what is interesting after having watched so many PTA movies in a row is this A never feels like a Ball Thomas Anderson movie. And I mean that as a as a uh, as a positive thing. Like right. it's not it just it just it's so unique for him. It's so different. It just has this whole aura surrounding it. I never going in blind would think that this was written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. For sure. I mean, like, 
I, I think all of his movies you would probably aside from this one you would describe as like gritty. Yeah, or, or but at least also, a lot of them. This one is elegant and it, it's oh, it's so it's like, rich, it's luscious, it's money, it's it's so right. Like obviously, in in something good, like there will be blood. Like it it, it looks amazing, but it's yeah. like even it's it is grimy, it's dirty, it, and and well, all yeah, of a he's, and like he's it, in the fashion world in London, and it's like he this, doesn't he like the filmmaking here is like exquisite. But it's not, like, the star of the show. Like, so often in these PTA movies, it's like, you do feel like you're watching a movie being directed. Right. Which isn't necessarily a criticism all the time. Because that can be fun. But this is so patient and, like, slow and, like, brooding. And it just, like, like it just lets things lie. And I think that's based, again, on the performances here by Daniel Day-Lewis, who was, like, there are no words... And then there's Vicky Creeps. Crepes? Crepes? Vicky wants a crepe. Vicky <laughs> Creeps. We're going to say Crepes. Crepes. And then the star, Leslie Manville, who oh. is... There's never been a better performance. I think this movie There's is... never been a better performance. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I jumped right past that. Uh, yeah, Leslie Manville should have won Best Supporting she is Actress at the Oscars. Remarkable. So good. It's it's everything. The, the, it's it just, it's beauty. The, the costumes, the whole thing, but it also manages to be creepy and like brooding. And, and it's like, like it, there's absolutely like, hilarious. So funny. These elements of horror, even. It's like super it's, fucked up. It's the best. It's, I, I love this. this oh, is like, it's so, it's the, it's just, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. All right. I love Allison Janney and I, Tanya, but. Leslie, yeah, the, team yeah. Leslie. I, also, uh, preposterously, Daniel Day Lewis didn't win the Oscar for this. Uh, unfortunately, Gary Oldman did for yeah, the Darkest Hour. There's, there. I mean, there's we there. There's nothing to be said about that. There's nothing. There's just nothing to be said. And about Vicky Crepes, Crepes, Crepes yeah. uh, did not even get nominated I for know. Best Actress here. I know. Uh, to be fair, this is actually a loaded Best Actress year. Yeah. Uh, whatever. We're moving on. Uh, this movie. This is. This movie is thought of well, but it's underrated. I think I agree. Like, not many people are rattling this off in the same breath that they're talking about. There will be blood or the master or whatever. Like, that's got to change. This movie's a masterpiece, and this podcast might be the thing to do it. I think so too. I think the and also, I mean, Reynolds Woodcock. <laughs> <laughs> the name of Daniel Day Lewis's character here. A perfect name. Uh, Extraordinary. Paul Thomas Anderson. The names. Yes. I mean, Dirk Diggler is one of the best things anyone has ever come up with. <laughs> just like as a as a concept idea. Sure. Yeah. It's just, it's just perfection. Phenomenal. Reynolds Woodcock is obviously great. Daniel Plainview works. Great. Yep. You know. Yeah. It it's all, and I think like the character of Reynolds is so interesting because he is sort of at face value just kind of a monster, right? He's just very cold. He's mean. He, like, doesn't treat anybody well in his life. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I sort of see a lot of myself in this guy. <laughs> like, when he's – like, he is one of the great <laughs> – I'm obsessed with how just, like, mean he is in the morning oh. and, like, mean he is over breakfast when he's like, that is entirely too much movement at breakfast. Right. 
And he's just like iconic. Yeah. Reynolds looked like he's an icon. He's a gay icon. <laughs> but you also see the contrast of that when he's when he's when he first meets Alma when he, he's eating breakfast. Yeah. And and he's just ordering everything and he's flirting with her and, and it's like having fun. Just and the, then suddenly he when he's back. The dynamics kind of, of it work. the dynamics of it all. It's just now the script is Is this what Paul Thomas Anderson is like at breakfast when he's like <laughs> in the middle of production with or... four kids? <laughs> with Pearl oh. running around? <laughs> Jack? Ida? Ida. Was that one of them? I think so. Ina? Ida? I would love to get eyes on that house. <laughs> I would love to get eyes on that kitchen table. Because wow. I maintain that he's got to be a pretty fun guy. Like, Or is it sort of, I don't know, it's like a yin and yang thing. Where like, Not that Maya Rudolph is like wacky at home. But like, she's obviously like fun. It has a sense of humor and whatever. Like, I can't imagine her being married to like a complete like... Like cold, cold yeah. artist, you know. And I've yet, heard him. In, I've heard him maybe in, that's what works. But I've heard him in interviews and stuff. He feels like a pretty like funny, yeah, jovial and, guy. Yes, I think he has some like personality there that yeah, you know, would be fun to hang out with. Yeah, maybe. Probably obnoxious to hang out with, but probably very obnoxious. I mean, frankly, so would Maya. I'm oh sure. yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Phantom Thread. It's great. Just, just the look of Phantom Thread, the costumes. It's, oh, it's amazing. The, it's, it's just the London of it all. It's so the, it's just it. It's like when you make a movie about a designer. It's like when someone is supposed to be amazing at something. This is what Paul Thomas Anderson is is also quite good at. Is like if someone is supposed to be an expert at something, you feel that yeah. in the production, whether it's the production design, you know, the costumes, whatever. Like totally. Like you believe that Daniel Plainview is a, this kind of ruthless yeah. businessman, you know. You believe that Reynolds Woodcock is a great designer because you're you're seeing yeah. these. Yeah, dress- totally. like, It's very hard to make that a yeah. thing. Like you know, when a, if a movie is about someone and they're supposed to be this great singer, and you're kind of like, <laughs> or like, you know, yeah, no, that's a good athlete point. or a pop star, or whatever. Like they don't, if it doesn't. It's only jarring if it misses, yeah. obviously, and you're kind of questioning it. And never for a second in any of his movies do you question totally what the the lead characters are as – that they're what they're supposed to be. Yes, totally. So, uh, one movie remains. One remains. Uh, should we – for those who maybe haven't seen Licorice Pizza yet, maybe we should run through – our rankings before we get into the depths of, of no should we okay should we should we not should we save no that no i think that'd be good i think that'd be a good way to go okay um so here's how we'll list off our rankings we'll start at number nine and we'll go number nine three two one and we'll both say it at the same time okay ready? i'm All ready right. number nine three two one inherit vice inherit vice i said hard eight okay what that's I thought Inherent Vice was going to be last for you. Yeah. Number eight. Three, two, one. Licorice Pizza. Oh, wow. Uh, Wow. Uh, Number seven. Three, two, one. Punch Drunk Love. (laughs) This is uh, maniacal. I'm enjoying it. (laughs) Uh, Number six. Three, two, one. No, I'm not ready. Oh, God. Okay, sorry. Number six. Three, two, one. Punch Drunk Love. Okay. Number five, 
three, two, one. Licorice Magnolia. Pizza. Number four. <laughs> three, two, one. Magnolia. There will be blood. Uh-oh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait, I'm not sure what three you have left. I know. Oh, I do know it. Okay. All right, number th- number three. Three, two, one. The there master. will be blood. <laughs> oh, we have the same top two. Shit. Number two. Three, two, one. Phantom, Phantom threat. threat. Oh, come oh, on. No. <laughs> you know, see, this is the problem. I don't want to be a person who has Boogie Nights number one. Oh, I do. I just don't. I, I just don't. I'm not sure that's the consensus. Oh, that's not what I'm saying either. Okay. I I just... I think you're right. Number one, three, two, one, Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights. Damn it. I, I was kind of hoping you would have something different. Yeah, I can't I believe we both went Boogie Nights, Boogie Phantom, Nights Thread, Phantom one, Thread, two. 1, 2. All right, so run down your list again. All right. Number one, Boogie Nights. Number two, Phantom Thread. Number three, The Master. Number four, There Will Be Blood. Number five, Magnolia. Number six, Punch Drunk Love. Number seven, Hard Eight. Number eight, Licorice Pizza. Number nine, Inherent Vice. Okay. So our biggest differences, so my, so mine is number one, Boogie Nights, number two, Phantom Thread, number three, There Will Be Blood, number four, Magnolia, number five, Licorice Pizza, number six, The Master, number seven, Punch Drunk Love, number eight, Inherent Vice. So Licorice number Pizza nine, is our biggest. Licorice Pizza and, and The Master is is quite different as well. I think you have that third, I have it sixth. Yeah. Um, And Licorice Pizza, I have fifth, you have eight. Yeah, so three so And three you bumped spots. up hard eight above the one yeah. you forgot to rank because it's... So forgettable, you apparently bumped it ahead of some of these other movies. Hey, Wild. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, uh, well, I also kind of have these sort of in three tiers as well. Um, where I, I would yeah. kind of accept any order within the tiers. For me, my top tier is is three movies. Boogie Nights, Phantom Thread, There Will Be Blood. Okay. I'm not opposed to any order of those three. I have mine, but... My next tier is the uh, Magnolia Licorice Pizza of the Master tier. Okay. Where I think... Uh, licorice Pizza being in the same tier as the Master. We'll, go, we'll get into that. Go on. I think Magnolia and the Master are aiming for higher achievements than Licorice Pizza, but Licorice oh, Pizza is more, <laughs> more successful in what it's what it's trying to do again degree of difficulty is lower but more successful than those uh and then my my bottom tier is the other three fine fair enough i mostly agree i don't think my tiers are quite as like really my bottom like my bottom tier would be soggy bottom tier (laughs) yeah my soggy bottom tier would be licorice pizza and inherent vice those are on an island and then we have like hard eight punch drunk love are kind of on that same level for me probably. And then in the middle, like, and then it's mag. Well, I would put Magnolia maybe in that chunk. Mm-hmm. And then the top is probably just boogie phantom master blood. And if you were to tell me that one of those four was your favorite, I'd be like, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's so impressive about his resume is the number of movies you could like accept as someone's favorite. Sure. PTA movie. Like certain, obviously Boogie Nights is both of ours. Phantom Thread is second. So we would both, yeah. there will be blood is plenty of people's. The master is plenty of people's. I'm okay. If Magnolia is your choice as your, your favorite. I wouldn't PTA. be as okay with that. I disagree with it, but 
you know, I would still say, acceptable. Hmm, seek some help. And even Licorice Pizza, if you just love that, that movie, please, I'm on board. That is such an absurd. I mean, that's absurd. Let's just get. It, let's talk about it. All right, it's time. Licorice Pizza is the movie of the year. Oh my god! But like, by far, easily it's the best not, movie. I thought about this. It's. It wouldn't even. I was. Th- it wouldn't even be in my top twenty. So I'm not. No, I'm serious. Of this year, this is so. Like, I can't wait to talk to you. Like, in three years, when you eventually. Oh, I will never film. see this film again. I will never get my eyes on this film again. That's preposterous. I will never get my eyes on this. I've film already seen again. it twice. This is a movie I'm going to be. Oh, I, will watch. I would never. Well, and I would love to get it. And Once I can tell you exactly. Three years. Or I so. can tell you. I I have been thinking about this movie. More than it deserves. But I understand why. I I understand where this fork in the road is coming. Or why it has come. This movie is... Um, well, okay, so... What Here's do the you problem. not like about licorice pizza? I don't like the script. I don't like how... I don't like the story. The performances I can mostly get on board with. Let's start there. Let's start with the positive. Sure. Alana Heim. Let's go for the breakthrough award. You oh, know, yeah. we love it. She's great. Love it. Love to see the Heim sisters. Those three girls are a little wacky do for my taste. I mean, I love their music. Don't get me wrong. Would never want to be in a room with any of them. Uh, but Alana gives a great performance. She really does. And, and to me... The kind of, uh, well, the movie kind of hinges on both her and Cooper Hoffman. Cooper Hoffman, the son of the late Philip Seymour. Uh, I think he's fantastic. Gives a great performance. Me too. Honestly surprised he's not getting a little bit more notice. This movie entirely hinges on the two of them being great, and they both are. I like their performances. I'll save their characters for a later date. Uh, Bradley Cooper in this movie is doing something. It's ah. fine. If he becomes if he comes close to a supporting actor Oscar nomination, there's going to be I'm burning down the Dolby. Oh, that's he's great. He's hilarious. He's fine. He's in two seat. He's fine. It's very. It's whatever. It's whatever. Tom Waits is in this movie. Uh, he's the one who says coming in hot. He's He's we're great. He's Tom that. Waits. We're going to have to find that audio to play at the top of the Oh, we, honestly, now. not a bad idea. <laughs> he's great. He's Tom Waits. He's He has a scene, and he's Tom Waits. Sean Penn is in this movie, unfortunately. Again, I guess there are no repercussions for actions if you're a uh, you know, straight white man. Congratulations to him for securing a role. Uh, he's stupid, and I hate him. Alana and Cooper are giving good performances. These characters I want to punch in the face so badly and so hard that I never I never want them to not be bruised. I want them to have black eyes for the rest of their lives. What the hell? These two characters are so annoying. And this is, okay, this is two questions for you. Both these characters are delightful. They are terrible. I hate them. What? So when I'm looking at this movie... Bigger picture. Two questions. Sure. So this movie is obviously quite referential to not only like the decade. I'm talking the 70s here. The decade, but also like films of the 70s. Sure. And so 
I don't know because it as much of like a celebration of both of those things as it is it also feels like an indictment on both of those things at the same time sometimes okay and I don't know if it's supposed to be a bigger one of of the era or of films of the time because we have these scenes with like um like Bradley Cooper's like gay assistant or whatever and uh-huh. it's like is that what what what's going on there and then we have the John Michael Higgins Higgins character who is you know doing these like Chinese impressions in the Chinese restaurant he owns Japanese Japanese thank you Japanese yeah and is it what what am I taking away is this movie an indictment on films of that era and characters in those films or is it just the the decade in general I don't know what I'm taking away from this that's one question I lean more towards the latter there but yeah but this is what I guess this is my major problem regardless of whatever any of that is trying to say I think that this movie is having nostalgia for a time in one's life that I have absolutely no nostalgia for I don't want to go back to high school so when somebody is like I want to make a movie about the best time of my life junior year it's like I just, I'm just never going to get it. It's just not a movie for me. I don't want to go back to like, you know, the heyday of math. <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of math in this movie. But you know what I'm saying. I, it's this okay. movie about So you've never having... liked a, a high school movie? Not really. Well, that's just I've like, like... I've liked your, movies... That's insane. I've liked movies about hating high school. Okay. This movie is not like in love with school. No, but it's about this. It's about I, I was. Who basically, well, it's about a predator. A predator who stalks an underage boy. We can get into it. Oh, okay. Let's get into it. Well, it's about a predator who stalks an underage boy. No. Incorrect. Uh, that whatever. Uh, I don't really believe it. The whole <laughs> their whole relationship it did make me uncomfortable. Ultimately, I don't really care. Uh, I think it's supposed to make you a little uncomfortable. Of course, of course. But it's great. Also, um, her age is very much in question in this movie. The second time I saw it, I was kind of paying attention to all the references to it. She says like three different ages throughout. Oh, so she's also a liar. Yeah. Yeah. Like she she says her age is 25, 28. I think she even says younger than that at one point. Um and, like, she keeps harping on the fact that she's not a teenager and she's hanging out with teenagers, which makes me think she's, like... 35? No, like a teenager. She's not a teenager. She's at most 20. No. Yes. Why do you think that? It's because of what I just said with all the things where she's she's making up her age to seem older. If she older. were 20, all of her friends would know her. She would have gone to school at the same time as them. She's She's... Whatever. She's whatever. Making a big deal of the fact that she's like yeah, not a teenager anymore, which nobody does when they're 25. You do that when you're 20. Mm, yeah, I don't know about all that. It's it's true. Okay, regardless, still illegal, but uh, I mean, they didn't have sex. It's not illegal. It's fine. She's a creep. She's a, she's like a creepy little girl. I don't like her. 
She's great. No, I don't like her at all. Why don't you like her? She's delightful. She's weird. She's a creep. She's delightful. No, it's not for me. It's, it's just, it's not, I realized pretty early on, oh, this isn't for me. And it's not, that's fine. Like to not enjoy this movie, I, this well, is do you want, such an easily enjoyable movie. No, it's literally my, just delightful the whole time. You're sitting there, I just smiling through your stupid mask. I was. You weren't wearing your mask. <laughs> I know. I was chomping popcorn. I see. I totally disagree. My I my biggest criticism of this movie is that I found it to be horribly boring. That's. I was. I was. Like I was literally, you were. I was like looking at my phone. I was like, "When the fuck is this over?" I was so bored. I thought it was like horrifically boring. Like th- that—that's the biggest indictment of all. Like I can get oh, blah, 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 high school. If you peaked in high school, you're a loser. But like it, I just found it to be really boring, which that's is the most disappointing thing of all. So weird to me. I just thought it was so boring. It's not boring at all. That's crazy. That's your opinion. Uh, no, I think you're just wrong. No, I, I found it to be quite, quite, I, it's just, just, it was a dud. Like halfway through, I was like, I am anybody ready listening, to leave. Anybody listening to this podcast, uh, make, well, you didn't like the power of the dog. Understand so very clearly. Let's, let's be real clear about taste levels. Okay. Yeah, no, that's where I'm going here. Anyway, go on. Why did you, if I'm you sorry. think this movie is boring and the power of the dog isn't, something is just wrong with you. No. The Powder Dog has something to say. This movie has nothing to say. It is... It's a dud. It's, what, it's a dud. What's the power of the dog have to say? Oh, my God. Would you like to go back and listen to the episode from a couple weeks ago? Not really. Kind of boring. Just like that movie. Go on. Why do you like... <laughs> why do you like this movie? Go on. I'm not trying to take up all the air here. This movie is just delightful. It's fucking perfection. It's... It's... You're smiling the entire time. It's... Didn't smile once. I the did idea smile of once. Not I, enjoying this, like did smile once. Maybe you think it's it's kind of lesser PTA and it's not a. Maybe it's it doesn't have the ambition of plenty of his other movies. But to not enjoy it is honestly mind blowing. It's like mm-hmm. one of the kind of it's it's like someone telling you they don't enjoy Almost Famous. Well, I don't. <laughs> That's insane. That it's again. You don't another, enjoy hey, Almost Famous. Another one, not for me. It's just not my culture. It's just not my thing. Like, what? It that's just that was not my experience as a youth. Okay, but that, that doesn't have to be your experience. No, I, but I, I've never been an oil from, man, but I enjoy their will oh, be blood. Stop! This is the, the, these are movies about childhood and about growing up and adolescence and nostalgia, and I can appreciate these movies even though I don't see myself in them. But it's also at the same time, it's like, well, I feel like I'm watching a movie made by people who would have been mean to me <laughs> in high school. And it's just not, I don't, it's just not the same. It's just, I don't hate this movie. I think it's like a five out of 10. That kind of sounds like you hate it. I don't hate it. It's not good. It's, it's, it's even made even more disappointing, obviously, based on the fact that I like this director a lot. Right. So I just thought it, yeah, you know. I mean, it's disappointing because of because of that. I can't imagine anyone is going to see this movie and think boring and not enjoyable. Like this movie is yeah, the well, opposite of those things. I assume to in your opinion, people. but yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. But I think that's uh, if anyone's on the fence as to whether to see it, uh, I'm cautioning them that oh, go see it. No, nobody. There are worse things you're not going to think see. it's boring. 
Why? Like, they what? might. What do you mean they won't? No, I'm quite they confident might. that anyone listening is not going to find this movie boring or unenjoyable as, as you did. And, and again, yeah. obviously, I respect your opinion and everything. Yeah. I just disagree with it. And I think That's most fine. people will as well. I think this is kind of a this is a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Well, most crowds are dumb. <laughs> um, one of the, the the to me the biggest strength of this movie, uh, we already talked about the the two lead performances, which I think are are both excellent. Yeah. But the num and and this is kind of a, a a thing that you kind of catch throughout Paul Thomas Anderson. But this the strength of of. Small roles or oh, yes. or quick little scenes. Well, I think we all know where we're going. That are, huh? The best scene in the movie. Uh, which? I was which, laughing out loud. Which one? The, the if you had to guess, if you said this, what scene in this movie is Daniel gonna like? I assume it is with the what is she casting director? That is that is exactly correct. And just that, say yes scene. That is exactly correct. Iconic. Iconic scene, She's iconic so performance. Harriet Sam Sansom Harris, I believe. Iconic, is her name. absolutely hilarious. The phone call she takes on just <laughs> just a few minutes of bliss, and I thought, man, it feels good to laugh again. And then, oh, here we go again. They're running. These two losers are running again, and I don't care about them. Okay, take me back to the casting director. Casting director. Just Director, eight, whatever, agent, yeah, agent. Yeah, ag- I think she's an agent. They're all yeah. the same in this town. God. But yes, she. The just say yes scene is just a, a outstanding a slice of heaven. That I believe, uh, or that actress, is the one in Phantom Thread, the like princess yes. or whatever that they yes. they they get mad at and rip the dress off. Yeah, of. that's her. Yeah, and then she sleeps in the. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other, the other uh, best moments to me, or best kind of. Small roles or, or quick scenes. Um, Lance, the the other child actor Lance. who ends up like dating Alana briefly. Oh, he's great. He's he's great. What's I? What, I he's His in, name is is Skyler. But what do I know Gisondo? him from? He's in. So he's much. in Booksmart. Yes, thank you. But yes. he's so he shows up on the plane. He's and great. Just, so immediately is pulling. Oh, oh, they do have steak back here. Oh, because yeah. he's sitting in first class. And he's it's very just funny. A great, great performance. Could and have then used more. The dinner scene uh, when they're when she takes him to kind of meet, meet her, the Himes, meet the Himes. Yeah, and he's refuses to say the Jewish prayer because he's an atheist, and it's yeah a great scene. Himes actual parents. Himes actual parents wow. on the list. The the now, the dad is hilarious. The sister dynamics are great with just them being pissed off at each other all the time. Just yeah. ringing true as like a real family. Why is and, he so obsessed with them? PTA. When oh, did I that? Don't know. So, but he knows because he like directs their music videos, right? And then, but there's hold on. I need that's to literally the story. only thing I know about it. That he's done a he, few music videos with them before. Well, that's enough. Um, but what was the weird story that came out? Hold on. Are <laughs> not weird in a you know don't get gotcha you know what I mean the movie speaks for itself on that front Paul Thomas Anderson great music of course in this of movie of course Daniel apparently doesn't like music anymore well no I'm just saying I think people can be like oh this movie's great they're playing a great song 
But a great song doesn't do anything. A great song. No, a great song doesn't do anything. And there's a montage of them running. They're running in the rain to Simon and Garfunkel. I love cinema. No, this is a music video. A great song in a movie does nothing for you unless you're matching it with the movie itself. And I mean, when when Let Me Roll It is playing, ah, so good. Hold on. Blah 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 (laughs) blah. Have you found this yet? Yeah. Should I list my other favorite scene? Blah blah blah. Oh, Paul Thomas Anderson or Heim's mom was Paul Thomas Anderson's art teacher. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good little anecdote. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then finally, uh, the whole, the entire Bradley Cooper sequence from start to finish to me is just delightful. You know, they, from them showing up to his house to the the whole thing with going down going down the hill backwards in the truck. Fun. Uh, and then culminating in him walking down the street, smashing stuff, and then he, he sees the two women in, in tennis outfits and sure. starts now that's falling, fu- falling Now that's funny. I love when men follow women on the street. Who's, now who's, who's got the better backhand? Now that's funny. Oh, she, she, I bet she's, she's got the better serve. Oh, my God. You guys like peanut butter sandwiches? <laughs> that's how he starts it. Bradley Cooper... How'd that happen? I'm going to write that story. Bradley Cooper, how'd that happen? Well, you've seen the old Inside the Actors Studio clip, right? No. There's a... Maybe? There's a clip of him asking a question. I forget exactly to who, but it's from like 2000. It's like five years before he was famous. He's in the audience. <laughs> oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, 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 Inside yeah, the yeah. Actors I've Studio. Seen that. Yeah, yeah, uh, Anyway, licorice pizza. Those are my... Uh, the things I found delightful. God, it's going to be... What an Oscar season we're in for here. Easily my favorite movie of the year. I'm, oh man. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not even trying to like be a contrarian. Um, but just like that, it, that won't even sniff my top twenty. And I haven't even, you know, I still have plenty of movies I need to see. Yeah, it's, okay. a, it's a disappointment. I mean, here I am, you know, waxing. Sure. Sort of it's not for you. That's fine. I, I respect yeah, that. Not for me. Well. Uh, unless there's anything else, I think that wraps up our, our Paul Thomas Anderson conversation. I think so. Which please, means... Please wipe me out. Yeah, here it comes. I think we mentioned all... Hold on. I, I wrote down a list of performances here. Do we did we hit them all? Da, 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 da. I think we mentioned all of these that I'd written down, so we're good. I can, we I can, think so. We can move okay. on. It's time for Kyle's hastily prepared top ten of the week. Now, this is something we've mentioned a couple times in this episode, and, you know, we really just, here on the Popcorn Boys, we really just miss the Arclight cinemas. And so here it is. time of year. The hastily prepared top ten of the week. Uh, top ten things I miss most about the Arclight. R.I.P. Arclight. Please come back. Oh, Arclight and John. Oh, I was in my head. I was thinking you were. Uh, this is Arclight because this is the rare one where you sort of clued me into what you were doing. I yeah, thought. We, yeah. I thought you were doing Arclight Hollywood. No, not specifically Hollywood. Oh, okay. I mean, all right. On number ten. That's why I said there. Okay, go on. Number ten, the dome. Okay. Now, the dome is cool, but it's only number ten because I don't really love seeing movies in the dome as much. 
they're, yeah. they're cool experience, but cool like experience. If it's if it's a movie I'm dying to see, I'd almost prefer to not see it in the dome initially. I agree with but you. But a cool place to see a movie. Very we don't have to make those decisions anymore. Uh, number nine. The Ushers announcing the movie <laughs> before course. it comes on. God. God, what a what Some a of my best memories. What a moment every time. Now the hey thing everyone, about and, uh, that thank is you for coming to the Arc Light. You're here to see Licorice Pizza. Starring Runtime is Heim and Cooper Huff. Two hours and fifteen minutes. Stars. But they have to do it. A stellar usher will hit that right balance of like just doing the job and like maybe being a little charismatic. Nothing yes. worse than an overly charismatic oh, right. usher. There's an a thing. Like, yeah, here we go. Start the show. You have to you have to read your audience and hit the right enthusiasm level. Now this is the big question: mm. clap or no clap? Me personally, yeah. Do you clap for the usher? No. I would never. I would. I would give a woohoo if there were like three of us in the theater or something because <laughs> that's just painfully awkward yeah, they're yeah, yeah. walking off and there's just dead silence but like if it's a decently crowded theater i'm not clapping yeah if the theater is completely packed and it's like first night at opening weekend or whatever is like maybe i'll get caught up and just and let's go <laughs> but... come on we're seeing belfast <laughs> All right, that's number uh, nine. Uh, number eight, you've already alluded to, is you know just just the holidays at the ArcLight. Oh, just, sure. You know, there was something. There's something special about being there. There really was over over Christmas time, it was especially one of the if there's only a big pl- movies out on Christmas Day and one of the only places where Thanksgiving it really even does feel like the holidays in California at the theater. Right. Yes. Um, you know, there's there's lights lights outside you know that whole little walk up from the parking garage to the theater is just nicely decorated mm. wow you know Stunning. the holiday season am i right mm. number seven of the music playing oh. in the theater particularly in the bathroom is where you hear it best but don't love that film scores just oh sorry i forget that this is not in my head you were talking they're playing christmas music no, no, no. We're, yes, of yeah. course. We're, we're off the holidays. The film scores oh. that they're pumping in into the in the lobby and phenomenal in the bathroom. You know, when I go to the bathroom, I want to I want to pee to to Jaws, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> Number six, uh, going to Stella Barra <laughs> after a movie at the ArcLight Hollywood. If this was going to make the list on my on my list was going to be the walk from Stella Barra to the theater. Oh. Yes. Just you know, good. had I mean, a couple beers. I mean, what's better than seeing, um, I don't know, mother, and then <laughs> discussing it with your pals at Stella Barra afterwards over God, the best over, you know, a mushroom pizza or whatever. Mm. Uh, closed. I think. Stella Barra, I think, is still there. It uh, Google is listing it as temporarily closed. <gasps> really? As of today, I looked it up because I couldn't remember the name of the restaurant <gasps> for a second. No. It's been so long. So I don't know what the status is, but it oh, says temporarily closed oh, on Google Maps. No, <laughs> this is so. Is this true? Hold on, let me go to news. Hmm. Well, the big, first thing I'm seeing is Stella Bar expands menu. <laughs> oh, okay. Back from February 2020. Well, well not a great time to <laughs> to uh, invest in your menu. Didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Stella Barra. Now on the Stella Barra 
Instagram page. Oh, left a thousand followers. More than I would have thought. <laughs> um, well, they posted 14 hours ago. Okay. All right, good. But Are there, are there more than one Stella Barra? Yes. I've been to the one in Santa Monica, too. Gotcha. Oh, this might All just right. be. I think I have, too. This might just be for the Santa Monica one. Anyway, this is too much Stella Barra talk. Number five, uh, celebrity sightings. Oh, my God. I mean, Heaven. just. Who's your biggest one? Uh, that's a good question, actually. I'd have to think about that. Drew Barrymore. Really? Oh, yeah. Who have I seen at Arclight Hollywood? I'm bad at remembering them. It truly is like you see somebody almost every time. At pretty, the Hollywood. A pretty ones. regular occurrence yeah. at, at Hollywood, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Did I see Jeff Goldblum once? I feel like I saw Jeff Goldblum once. Love that. Uh, Number four. Just the Arclight Hollywood uh, lobby itself. <sighs> you know, the giant... Board know, with all the num- show times. I know what, your number one is is what I was hoping for. I can already just tell. Oh, I don't think it is. Oh, damn. Okay, go on. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the board. Arclight Hollywood. The per- clock. In particular, oh, just the board and the clock. Love them. Did you ever eat at the restaurant there? Yes. Really? Yeah. Never ate there. Really? I would have. I had like a drink there, but I would oh. never. I never ate. Oh, there. I don't know if I've gotten. I had food there. Oh. Well, yeah. So when I said, "Did you eat there?" I sat at means... a, I sat at a table and got a drink there. That counts. Okay, as eating. so that doesn't need, no. no. That counts as eating. Yes. No. And uh, yeah, we count that as eating. Okay. Uh, number three is uh, this is more um, well, just just the the big dealness. <laughs> okay, so you're running out of options. <laughs> uh, uh, when you're, you know. Particularly the big dealness. Particularly opening weekend for a movie that you want to see. Like there's I just do an energy know what you there. mean. It feels like a big deal. I do know what you this mean. One, this is another one specific to to uh, ArcLight Hollywood. You're exactly right. Uh, number two. This is some. It's a film lovers paradise. Some would say exactly. Uh, number two is the ArcLight culture. Okay. Now, oh, of course. Everyone, when you're at the ArcLight. They they make it clear you're not allowed to be talking or on your phones or whatever, and there's kind of a a collective obnoxious culture where like yeah, if you start looking at your phone, you you'll probably be called out by someone yeah who's yeah, like the most annoying person in the world, but also I sort of appreciate it. Oh, so. glad somebody else is gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So just that uh, you know the seriousness that we're taking going to the movie here, not letting anybody in late, not letting people in late. Uh, Previews and not not no ads. Mm-hmm. Um, the weird design on the screen. Yes, yes. Never found out what they're, that was. Their strange logo. Never found out what that was. And finally, number one thing I miss most about the ArcLight uh, is that there was one in Culver City that I could walk to. <laughs> A movie theater in walking distance. Oh what my god! Could possibly be better. That's what? it. So uh, the my uh, we should open top 10 of the week. Things I miss about theater. the ArcLight. The Cinerama Dome. Number nine, um, what does it say? Oh, the ushers announcing the movie. Number eight, holidays at the ArcLight. Number seven, music in the bathroom. Number six, Stella Barra. Number five, celeb sightings. Number four, the the board and the clock in the lobby at ArcLight Hollywood. Number three, the the big deal the feel. The big dealness. Yes. Uh, number two, the culture. <laughs> and number one, the walking distance. Can I just say I'm I'm uh, the one that I was surprised was not on there. I guess you're you're sort of getting into it with the lobby, but yeah. I think the cliche thing that everybody misses is the staircase. 
Oh, yeah, the staircase is great. The staircase at the Arclight Hollywood. Yeah, I the guess most I'm romantic thing with, with the board and the clock and the and the, the most staircase. romantic thing I've ever seen. Great staircase. The wall. I mean, is there was there ever a better feeling than walking out of a movie and then you're walking down that big staircase with all that big poster oh, wall in front of you? Love the poster. Oh wall. God, it's heaven. Wow. Drew Barrymore's there. Jeff Goldblum might walk by. Uh, Arclight. Did, you, did did anyone let Arclight know that uh, theaters are back? <laughs> Apparently not. Okay. What? How is there? Hold on. Are there any updates? Do you have a Arclight Arc- Culver City? Do I have an alert? Do you have an alert? I should, but I don't. Are there any updates about Arclight? I mean, Light we can't cinemas. really state this more plainly. There is a vacant movie theater in the heart of Culver City, where Culver City, since the pandemic has started, has become like. The coolest place in L.A. <laughs> uh, what, what, what? Oh, that's... Landmark took over the Illinois location. Uh, man. No new news about the Arclight. It's just... Staggering. So depressing. I just don't understand. Like, quite literally, the Arclight Hollywood is... The... Biggest movie property in the world. I... Well, and what... I know... Brutal. It just doesn't make any sense. It's so sad. Where do you think Drew is going? Uh, that's a good question. Where do you think Drew goes to the movies now? <laughs> the EMC Sunset 5? The parking there's horrific. <laughs> there's, there's no way she's going to the Sunset 5. I'll tell you that much. Why? It's not a great, not a great spot. Where should you go? The Grove? Ugh. Ugh. That's the thing. Like, all these places. Like, the Arclight Hollywood, the parking wasn't great, but it wasn't a headache. No, I was never like. Oh, I mean, it's just a, a giant garage, so you can always find a spot. You used to be able to walk there for a couple of years. Oh yeah, back in the Las Palmas days. Nice, but oh man, I mean, what I wouldn't have given to see licorice pizza at the ArcLight. God, we didn't even, we didn't even talk about our experience at the Westwood. There's not enough time, but suffice it to say, everybody's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> That never would have flown at the Arclight. <laughs> never would have flown at the Arclight. The guy next to me talking the entire time. That culture. Maybe that's um, what took me out of the Sour movie. Patch Kids? Oh, Mike, thank you for bringing this up. People would have been so mad. Yeah, because people are still listening. Mm, they are. How many hours in are we? Uh, we're 220. Four? Is um, this longer than Magnolia? Ooh, should we try? <laughs> um, No, but we got... Famously, always get popcorn at the movies. That's really it. I don't really dive into the candy. I don't get a drink. I have to go to the bathroom. So it's pretty much just popcorn. But something came over me at Licorice Pizza. It felt like a special night. Kind of felt like we were at the Arclight Hollywood, to be honest. Just that energy in the air. Mm. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And I got me a bag of Sour Patch Kids. And let me tell you, there has never been a finer product. I have not had my lips and tongue and... (laughs) Taste buds on a Sour Patch Kid in quite some time. It's just... Honestly, I don't think we've ever come up with anything better. It's the pinnacle of the human experience. Oh, we should have stopped. Should have stopped. Now, will they destroy your tongue? Oh. If you have more than, I don't know, seven of them? Days later. <laughs> days later, no feeling in my mouth. What? Nothing could possibly taste better. But it's a perfect... We were talking about My this. mouth is watering right now. Oh, I want some so bad. It. I... I'm saying I might stop and get some on the way home. It's 
insane. A perfect They're movie so snack because you get to suck on it a little bit. Like, you can do something different with each one. One, I'm just going to chew. I'm just going to go right now. I'm going to chew this one. Mm-hmm. Next one, like, I'm going to suck on this a little bit. Hmm. I'm going to suck on this guy. Okay. You stop saying that. <laughs> I'm going to suck on this guy a little bit. I like to... Let's see how it tastes. Sometimes I'll just bite it in half right away. Um, go no, on, I would never do one something... One on one side of the mouth, I would on never do something like that. <laughs> I would never do something like that. Anyway, Sour Patch Kids. And this is... Uh, an ad they are sponsoring this episode is sponsored by sour patch kids sour patch kids first they're sour then they're sweet sour patch kids the best thing humanity's existence america's best invention we've been to the moon but hey when's the last time we had a sour patch kid sour patch kids try even saying the word without your mouth watering Elon Musk wishes. Sour Patch Kids, your tongue will be destroyed for weeks. Oh my god, my eye. I scratched my eye, now I can't see. How do you feel about Sour Patch Watermelons? No. Oh, they're so good. I mean, they're fine, but I'd rather a kid. I would rather a kid as well. Yeah. Rather a kid than a watermelon, for sure. Um, I don't know, this is changing my thought process about candy at the movies. Like, every once in a while, I might go I know, for I it. I I think I'm going to have to do it, Every too. once in a while. It can't be an every time thing. It can't be an every time thing because that's that's absurd. It's the Sour Patch Boys. <laughs> We're coming in. You say sour. sweet, I say sour. One, two, three. What did I say? Sour. We got to. Anyway. All right. It's... Get your lips on some of those kids. That's... And also, the candy's pretty good too. <laughs> Uh, good that's thing. what Alana Heim was saying. That's what Alana Heim was saying. Hey, let me get my lips on these kids. Good thing this is seven hours. That's what she was podcast. saying. Otherwise, the FBI would be knocking on my door. Hey, I'm Alana Heim. I take yearbook photos. Let me get my lips on these kids. <laughs> good night, everybody. Bye. <laughs>